You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime and coordinates for the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on all the cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe, like the Book of Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and much more. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys? What's up, guys? Excited to be uh, back recording a new episode of what we're going to talk about tonight. But at the same time, I feel we could even be more excited if certain things played out like we were hoping for. But it should still be a fun episode, as always. Disney Plus Day? More like Disney Crap Day, am I right? <laughs> more, more like Disney Plus Morning. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I, I got to tell you, like when, when I think the most exciting thing that we didn't know about coming into Disney Plus Day was the Rescue Rangers reboot or like, you know, <laughs> new cartoon, you know, you've got problems. <laughs> well, yeah. I will say the biggest, coolest surprise I got was that the X, 90s X-Men animated series is being brought but, No, that, I, I say that in jest, but yeah, X-Men, the X-Men thing was pretty sweet. I mean, but but sticking to Star Wars, I, I got to admit, I... I well, we'll just talk about it in a second. I, I was extremely disappointed. Like I think most people, and, you know, I, and I wasn't, we were talking a little bit before the show and I'm going to bring this up now, Kyle. So I think the biggest reason we're all disappointed and I, and I, and I don't see it again. I haven't gone out of my way to research this completely, but it seems like a lot of people haven't talked about this, but I think after last year, last year's was phenomenal they dropped so many bombs on us like i was like what the hell i I couldn't believe it like i loved it i loved being i think i think companies and i think these studios are so afraid of overwhelming like overdoing their their announcements of overshadowing things they're afraid to like you know they want to just kind of give us a little bit like when i feel like that disney plus day on the 2020 was so great. I, I look back at that as a great night. I remember coming home just like buzzing and just mm-hmm. could not believe all the great things we got. And it, it just it is a complete 180 difference to this when like I wake up at 6 a.m. First, I should have been warned also or should have known that when they announced this thing as 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, I should have been like, you know, okay, hold on. That doesn't seem right. And it, everything just seemed like lackluster. I'm like, uh, they're gonna they're gonna drop some cool bombs on us, right? <laughs> right? And mm-hmm. you know, they, they just didn't. The, the coolest thing was I forgot, which maybe they already announced that I forgot about was the the documentary for Boba Fett. And and they, it was just, I mean, they yeah. they did announce that ahead of time that that was going to be released on Disney right. Plus. Yeah, and I, I forgot. Like I totally forgot. So that was the most. I I was super stoked about that. That was you know what I was most excited about for that, but. 
I mean, it just was really disappointing because there's so much stuff they could have shown us. I mean, like, I mean, even with Disney Plus Day of or whatever it was last year, they showed us like concept art for uh, Andor. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you could have shown us like a little bit, you know. I mean, like it's. I'm sure there's got they've got reasons, and there's I know celebrations coming up this year, but I mean, that's still not that's still a decent amount of way time away. It's like. You, you promote this as Disney Plus Day and it's Andor's a pretty big Disney Plus get. Um, where is it? Or give me something else. More something else other than Obi-Wan, you know, the Obi-Wan thing. I mean, it just felt very disappointing and lackluster. And I'll gotta be honest, kind of lazy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there was I feel like it was sort of a big mishmash of like just fans getting their expectations up too high and people kind of getting their signals crossed because I mean, I think there's, like you said, there's a lot of reasons for for why people came out of this feeling so disappointed. But I think, first of all, you know, when this was first announced like a couple months ago or whenever it was, the first thing that we all thought, like the the easy, like if nothing else, we're going to get this would have been a trailer for the Book of Boba Fett. But then we got that a week ago. And so, and, you know, we'll talk about that. Obviously, we'll, we're going to get to that first and then kind of go more in depth with like the Boba Fett documentary and the Obi-Wan sizzle reel and, and all this stuff that they showed. And don't get me wrong. Like, I'm excited for this stuff and I'm excited to talk about it. But yeah, like, I mean, like you said at the beginning, Tim, it's exciting. Looking forward to the conversation. I just wish we had more because, you know, there was so much more that we were looking forward to. But especially the way they hyped up this uh, this Disney Plus day talking about how, the, oh, there's going to be special looks and there's going to be announcements and there's going to be sneak peeks and there's going to be reveals. And, you know, so I was thinking like, you know, the, the Book of Boba Fett trailer is the one thing we can probably count on. And then maybe on top of that, like maybe we'll get a sizzle reel that's got like a little bit of footage from Obi-Wan or from Cassian, or maybe we'll get a teaser trailer for, for either one of those shows, or maybe we'll get an announcement of a new show or um, again, even just sizzle reels or some behind the scenes stuff, or you just expected them to at least talk about more star Wars projects than, um, than, you know, just those two things. Heck, even with Marvel, uh, you know, they, because a lot of these announcements, they, they just had a big long Twitter thread on like the Disney plus Twitter account. And they were tweeting out, you know, little teaser videos and, and images and stuff like that for all these different projects from star Wars, Marvel, Disney, Pixar, whatever. And uh, at least for the Marvel ones, you know, they had logos and things for some of the upcoming Marvel series that we already knew about. And it was like not necessarily anything new. And some of them they did show new footage from, but some were just like logos and stuff that I was like, why are they even putting this out here? Like, we already know this show is coming and this isn't showing us anything. But like, they didn't even do that for Star Wars. There was no like, you know, not even a logo for Andor or for Bad Batch Season 2 or anything like that. Um and again, like, you know, going into this thinking, the one thing we're for sure going to get is the Book of Boba Fett. And then the, when they released that a week ago, it was like, oh, shoot. Well, if they if they're not even saving that for Disney Plus Day, then yeah. what else do they have? What else do they have up their sleeves? Like that must mean we're going to get to see a Kenobi trailer or something like that. Um, well, look at Marvel. Even, they, they gave a Marvel a whole like a whole special thing, even though that special yeah. was pretty much like 20 minutes of like recap of yeah. 2020 to like the last five minutes of whatever. But, but you know, what? yeah, it time, was it was it was 14 minutes and probably the last five minutes you had like a full action scene from Hawkeye and then sure. like some some teaser footage from like Moon Knight and She-Hulk and stuff like that. That's exactly what they should have done for Star Wars. If they had a 10 minute recap of Mando season one, Mando season two, Bad Batch 
Clone Wars, um, and then maybe like a little bit more footage from Book of Boba Fett and like a couple shots from Kenobi and Andor, I would have been fine with that. Mm. Like five seconds of Ewan McGregor on screen in his Obi-Wan costume. That's all I needed. But, you know, we got none of that. And again, not even any like logos or or mentions or teases of of any of those other shows. And so, um, and again, just the, the fact that everybody had their hopes up so high and then they released that Boba Fett trailer a week early, making us think that we'd get other stuff today. And again, the way that they were hyping up Disney Plus, they were, oh, reveals this and announcements that. And it was like there was not really any, you know, any big new stuff that was announced. So um, I think also yeah, a bit of a letdown there. Kind of what also makes it dis- more disappointing is that there's been precedents of how cool stuff like this in days can be. I mean... Warner Brothers and DC have done a great job with DC fandom over the last two years of have that, having that be a live stream event where they do show footage yeah. from the upcoming yeah. movies and shows. But then you bring up the point last year, like the Disney Investors Day, where that was a live stream. If I, I wasn't able to watch it on a live stream, but there was video footage of that. I mean, you see there were sections where Marvel and Lucasfilm where they revealed all that stuff. And you think, oh, man next year is going to be even better, especially if they're just going to focus on Disney plus. And we know the majority of new star Wars content is coming on Disney plus for the foreseeable future. They're probably going to do even more than they did last year because things have been filmed already. There's footage out there, especially when you talk about Andor and Kenobi, how, like you said, even in just a few seconds of footage in some type of sizzle reel documentary, like the Marvel one's the perfect example of how, you would think they would do the same thing for Star Wars, but yet they didn't. So this the fact that you know it's out there and things like this have been done better in the past. It just makes you realize like, themselves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it yeah. just makes you think, why was this one so lackluster? <laughs> when- well, and the other thing that's kind of perplexing too is, and this was also something that, that fed into the hype and I think got people's hopes up really high was there were a lot of, or at least a handful of, you know, Star Wars fan sites and journalists and the people that like have their sources that kind of report on rumors and leaks and stuff like that. And a lot of them sounded really confident coming into this week that we were going to get a, either an Obi-Wan teaser trailer or at least a look at some footage. And, um, I even heard a Bad Batch season two trailer (laughs) might've been on the pipeline for it. Yeah. And, and obviously all those people ended up eating their words today. And, you know, a lot of them were, you know, they weren't trying to be defensive or backtrack or whatever. They were like, Hey, sorry. Like, obviously we said this and it didn't happen and and we got to kind of take the loss on that. But for what it's worth, like, I think some of them even were talking to like their sources throughout the day that were like, yeah, man, I don't know what to tell you. Like there's an Obi-Wan trailer. It exists. I've seen it. I don't know what happened and why they decided not to show it today. So, um, it, it sounds like maybe plans changed at the last minute at Lucasfilm or like the, there was a possibility that we were going to get to see some of that stuff today. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if they just changed their mind last minute, if somebody dropped the ball, if um, I, I don't think that the I mean, the, the Kenobi sizzle reel that we did get leaked yesterday. But I don't think that that would have any bearing on, you know, them changing their whole strategy for what they were going to show today. So, um, yeah, who knows? But that, I mean, that was also disappointing too, right? Because I think if we hadn't seen that Kenobi thing yesterday mm-hmm. and that was like the big surprise that we got today, that would have been a little disappointing again, because I was really hoping to get at least a little bit of footage. 
Um, and also apparently that sizzle reel was like shown to the investors last year and was just not yeah. shown to the public. And yep. so the fact that it's just like a year old thing that they're just re-releasing, um, cause you could tell that that's early from early on in production too. Like, I think that was around the time that they announced that Hayden Christensen was returning for that show. And so you have you that's and McGregor in, it. yeah, you have you and McGregor in that piece saying that he's excited that he gets to work with Hayden again, but like Hayden's not even in the video, um, and I think it would have at least been cool to like see the two of them together, but um, well, it's just yeah. him and Deborah Chow talking in some concept art. And again, we'll we'll get into that and break down the actual concept art because there is some cool stuff in there. But the but, fact you know, that that leaked a day early, and then it was like, oh, okay, so the only new thing we're getting today is something that we've already seen. Um, was also <laughs> just you know a letdown. I so. I, I want I really want to just emphasize what Tim was saying because I wanted to bring it up if no one else did was I I and I know our our friend Jonah Marie had mentioned it on Twitter as well is like their their method of of working this out or bring this to us was through Twitter yeah and through like it's like that so is lame. the stupidest <laughs> it's so stupid like I mean listen. I know Twitter is a hotbed for like, you know, criticism of like, you know, Twitter trolls and blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot of bad stuff on Twitter. I love Twitter. I ain't gonna lie. I love it. But you know what? Like, you know what I don't love doing is trying to like refresh for like, you know, updates on stuff. <laughs> right. I want to like, I want to like be, you know, know about instantly when like, and now granted, I, I'm going to say this right now. I don't think the fandoms of all DC fandoms have always been like great. The two, I, I do think they're in the right place. They're on the right track. How about that? Yeah. Like, I, I, I think they're on the right track. I don't love their, like their whole, like, oh, let's have an intermission of this. And like, we're going to talk about this. It's like, let's, you know, I actually, to be honest, I thought the Disney investor, whatever the hell it was, the last one they had was a perfect, a perfect thing when you had the big wigs, which honestly felt like you were in kind of, you know, it kind of felt special because you had the people in charge of like their departments talking about like what they're excited about. So it actually made you feel like, Oh, you're an important part of like the thing, even though you're not really a quote unquote investor, even though you are, cause you're buying, you know, tons of crap for their, you know, for their stuff. But like, you see what I'm saying? Like you felt like kind of special and the way they had it brought out and the, and the way they had it all together looked very professional it looked very, it just looked, it looked, uh, it just looked good. And fandom didn't always look good. I, but at the same time, fandom has done a, a good job of at least orchestrating um, different things and trying to like, you know, stretch it out a little bit. I thought they did a good job for the most part, honestly, fandom did. And I thought that the year before DC did a great job. I don't think this was a good idea. I think having it be a strictly like exclusive place on this plate. No, no, no. Make it one place, stream it on YouTube. Don't get cute with it. Don't get super, you know, because honestly, I would have loved to have it, this, you know, when I'm at work, working on my stuff, to look up on and see the stream as I'm like working. Because I can't have sound like look up and, you know, watch it and, and see what on like and that keeps things keeps me interested i totally didn't know about the 14 minute video until way afterwards about for marvel so it's just like disney rethink your model man like i don't know what who what bright idea someone went into like this whole marketing strategy like you know what we ought to do a twitter exclusive dc or disney plus day wait <laughs> disney plus day but it's only on twitter yeah how genius is that it's like it doesn't sound like a genius thing at all. It sounds like the dumbest thing in the world. Like, how did this get approved? Like, I honestly don't like. I got these a people crazy are... idea. How they should do it? They should do a live stream for Disney Plus Day on Disney Plus. I mean, oh my god! <laughs> well, no. Here's the thing. Though. Novel here's, idea. Well, well. Here's here's the thing though. They wouldn't do that because part of the whole thing is they're trying to attract new subscribers. 
And I think that was That's part of the true. reason they did it on Twitter. But again, you know, you could do that on, on YouTube or whatever better. else. But, but how many people are on Twitter, though? Like, that's my point. Like, there's yeah, more but, people. Well, but Twitter's free to sign up. You know, they like, do a the whole thing is they, they, thing. But YouTube's not yeah. free. I mean, come on. Like these people like. Yeah. No, no, these... no. Look, I'm not defending. I'm not defending the, I, the I know. Uh, decision I know. to put it on Twitter by any chance. I'm just saying that to have it streamed on Disney Plus would kind of defeat the purpose when the whole thing right. is a big long commercial for Disney Plus. Everyone um, has been in the, been in that room when you're in a meeting and some idiot brings up the dumbest idea and it, it gets some traction and someone has to stick up and say, no, this is a bad idea. Yeah. And I just don't know how so, how a bunch of, at least I'm, I'm assuming smart people who went to college have some kind of IQ, could have someone walk in and go, hey guys, we have to make this exclusively on Twitter. How great of an idea is that? That's the dumbest idea in the universe. I'm sorry. I mean, to be fair, I don't I don't know if they were also posting stuff on other social media channels. Like, I, I don't follow Disney Plus on, like, Facebook or Instagram. I would assume they were probably also posting stuff there. We still. just all tend to follow along on Twitter. Still. But yeah, they should have had some kind of live stream or something where they were talking about this stuff, like they did for the Investor Day last year. Obviously, this one wasn't as big of a deal. Um, but the other thing, too, like you mentioned, Paul— um, it wasn't even exclusive to Twitter because then there were certain things like the Kenobi sizzle reel and like the Marvel, uh, you know, the Marvel preview and all that stuff that you had to go to Disney plus to watch. And some of that people didn't even know, like, um, mm -hmm. they, they did put, you know, in the tweet that was announcing the, the Kenobi thing, it did say like, this is an exclusive for Disney plus subscribers and you can go watch it now. And so, of course, I immediately went and watched it, even though I had already seen the leaked version yesterday. Oh, and quick little side tangent. I think another thing that made it disappointing, and again, I don't know how people got their wires crossed on this, but when that video leaked yesterday, people were reporting on it as if Disney had released that. You know, yeah. I saw all these outlets and stuff being like, oh, you know, breaking news, Disney releases a Kenobi sizzle reel uh, you know, in preparation for Disney plus day. And so that was another thing that's like, Oh, if they're releasing this the day before they must have something really cool to show us the next day. And then later in the day, the videos all started getting pulled down and people were like, Oh, correction. Apparently that was actually leaked. And, uh, you know, then at that point it was like, Oh, well then that's probably all we're getting to see tomorrow. Um, so that was another just, you know, I don't know if that's Disney's fault or, or, the people that were posting it and not realizing, you know, where they got it from and, and citing their sources and all that kind of stuff. But that was another just kind of big mix up that, that I think led to uh, a lot of, um, you know, just people feeling disappointed today. Yeah, um, as soon as that happened, where I found out that the Kenobi footage wasn't officially released, that gave me a bad feeling about that. That's all we're going to get on Disney plus day. The fact that if it was leaked a day early, then that means that's, all they had planned for to show for a Kenobi on Disney Plus Day, so that yeah. but again, too even optimistic realizing, about what to expect the day, following day. Yeah, but but even once I kind of came to terms with the fact that that was the only thing we were going to see from Kenobi, I still was like, well, we got to at least get some kind of announcement of something else, or um, you know, again, something similar for the Andor series or something like that. I didn't think that we would just get that one sizzle reel and the Boba Fett documentary, and that would be it. Um, but yeah, so, but yeah, so that we knew was, was just on Disney plus, but then, um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I was on Twitter and saw people being like, Hey, by the way, in case people missed this, cause like 
I didn't see an announcement for this or whatever, but there's a big long, you know, Marvel preview presentation thing that's on Disney Plus that's got new footage in it. And people were like, wait, what? Like, I didn't know about that. And then apparently, like, it wasn't showing up on all the platforms at the same time. Like, I saw it on Disney Plus on my phone before I saw it on my TV. And, you know, it was it was all a bit of a mess. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, at least we've got some Kenobi stuff we can talk about now, but, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I hope they learn from this going forward and that, um, I don't know, whatever, if they keep doing something like this every year that they either do it bigger and, uh, you know, deliver on what people are hoping for, or they temper people's expectations and don't make it sound like it's going to be this big hyped up thing that you got to tune into that then doesn't really show much, so. I know. Even though I wouldn't be able to, I wasn't able to follow it throughout the day, or if they did have a live stream, I wouldn't be able to watch it live. But I was looking forward to coming home from work today and just spending a couple of hours catching up on everything that got announced. And I was pretty much caught up on everything in about 40 minutes, which was a little disappointing. But because that's not the you, point. It too. took you 40 minutes? Well, when you really? count, when you count yeah. the Boba Fett documentary and the Marvel oh, stuff. Oh, okay. So, you know, yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, all right. I was like, it took you 40 minutes? It took me like two seconds to get through everything. <laughs> okay, I see. I see. I see. I see. Yeah. So anyway, hopefully they, uh, like I said, hopefully they learn from that going forward and we get just kind of a, a better put together presentation next year. Um, but regardless, we still have a lot of exciting Star Wars stuff to talk about, um, regardless of how well it's marketed. But, uh, obviously, like I said, we do have the Book of Boba Fett trailer that we got a week ago. And I don't, after all this, I don't know why they didn't just save that for today. Um, unless, like I said, unless their plans changed within the last week, like if they released that Boba Fett trailer because they were planning on releasing other stuff and then just, I don't know if they decided, hey, let's actually just hold off till after Boba Fett so this doesn't distract from it or whatever. I don't know what they're doing. Um, but it was cool to at least finally get our trailer for that series. So let's just dive in and talk about that. Um, let's see, where should we start? Let's just talk about overall, you know, impressions. I think, I don't know how you guys feel, but, the, you know, this is not, this is a cool trailer for sure. And I'm excited for the show, but um, just kind of like with the Mandalorian, you know, these trailers tend to be kind of vague and like just enough to get you to want to see the show without giving away any of the big surprises or anything. So it's not like we got to go by shot by shot and talk about, you know, all these big moments and stuff. Um, but I definitely thought this trailer had a, a really cool vibe to it and, uh, you know, was just enough to whet my appetite and make me want to tune in and watch. But what'd you guys think? Man, can I, I know, listen, I know that Tim is the biggest like Boba Fett fan here, but I got to tell you guys, remember how I, I had weird issues with the, that one episode with Robert Rodriguez's episode mm -hmm. specifically and how it kind of just kind of, it wasn't, it just kind of, it just shot, it just shot differently. It's just kind of weird. And I didn't know what, what to make of it. I thought maybe it was because of the, the location shooting or something. I don't know, but I got the same kind of vibe with this, this trailer. Now that's not a bad thing. But, and I really like this trailer and we'll, we got a lot to break down, but I'm curious if anyone kind of, it, it, it didn't blow me away. Like it, I, I'm sure it blew Tim away, but whatever. I need both. He could have, he could have shown up with a popsicle in his mouth and be like, that's the best trailer of all time. <laughs> you know, I mean, whatever. Uh, but my point is it just, it just seemed different. And I don't know, like I've, I've heard, I've had some friends of mine say, 
it just it just you know the very end is just kind of weird it's just, it's not really clear what's going on and i i i liked it but i don't know i it's just it's a weird trailer in a way that i'm like what are they trying to get through with this trailer exactly and I don't know. There's was the, with some of the action scenes that we got in the trailer itself reminded me a little bit of that Robert Rodriguez episode and some of the feel of that is there, which I don't necessarily love. I don't hate it, but maybe I need to see more of it to get kind of used to it. And there, even though it looks, it, there's parts that look really rad. I'm really excited about. I'm not like over the moon over it. I'm a little, I don't want to say trepidatious, but I'm a little more cautious. I think how they're, they're bringing this Boba Fett character and trying to evolve the character. I I'm just very interested to see where they take it. I'm not, I'm not going to make a decision saying like, I don't know, like where they're taking the direction of this, whatever with Boba Fett being like, you know, speak freely. It's like Boba Fett would like took it a blaster and blown him away. It seems like, right. I mean, I'm sure we'll break that down too, but, and there's reason why he hasn't, but I will say I'm not, I'm reserving my judgment on this until I, the whole series, because I think this is supposed to kind of like almost a, like lure us into a self, like um, a point of like, you're not what's the word, lure us in this like a uh, point of like, uh, you feel you're so safe, uh, a false sense of security. Excuse me. That's what I'm trying to say. I couldn't, I couldn't think of it. It's almost feels like we're being lured into a false sense of security and it's going to be like a, comp- not a completely different show, but it's going to turn at some point, And that's when like, it's going to get like, Oh my God, it's going to get crazy. But I don't want that either but i almost feel like that's what it's doing i'm curious before we i know tim gushes all over this thing i'm curious if you guys either agree not agree with me and then i'm pretty sure you guys don't agree with me but you at least will understand where i'm coming from and like my i'm a little apprehensive of like apprehensive apprehensive is not even the right word i'm just cautious about this because though i do think there is a little bit they're trying to lure us in that false sense of security I do also think that it how they why they presented it in this trailer this seems very interesting and I'm not sure if it works completely but I'm waiting for the series to go. I'm cur- do you guys understand where I'm coming from at all or my are you guys like you're crazy it's going to be amazing blah. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, I can see where you're coming from. I mean again, the trailer didn't necessarily blow me away. Um I mean the things that really hooked me was just kind of the you know, the scenery um the you know seeing cool like classic iconic star wars aliens again i mean tamura morrison as boba fett like just is always i mean he uh, he nails that character um and you know just seeing him on screen again seeing him embody that character seeing him look a little uh i don't know if younger is the right word but he he certainly looks like he's maybe gotten uh, a shower and some back since the last time we saw him in the Mandalorian and he's looking a little more cleaned up. Um, but yeah, man, it's just Boba doing his thing and you know, he, he looks cool. He sounds cool. Um, the, you know, the music in the trailer is great. So like I said, not really any big moments or anything that like blew me away, but just enough to, to get me excited for it. And again, I mean, think of like the trailers that we got for Mandalorian season two, where like you could tell, by the way that those trailers were edited, like they were intentionally not just not giving away surprises, but like holding back to the point of like only showing you the bare minimum that they know is going to get people intrigued and watch the show, not even have like a trailer that's going to break the internet because there was so much stuff in that season that, 
especially if there hadn't been so many leaks beforehand, you know, that would have just been huge, uh, big surprises. Um, and not even, um, you know, not even like the, the character reveals like Ahsoka and Bo-Katan and stuff, but like the freaking crate dragon and the ice spiders and, you know, all that kind of stuff, like none of that, you know, we didn't see any of that stuff in the trailers. And so just given their track record again, like, Yes, just based on the trailer alone, like if I didn't know anything about Star Wars and if I didn't know, you know, Dave Filoni and John Favreau and stuff they've worked on previously, like this trailer might just make me go, eh, that looks kind of cool, I guess. But knowing, you know, the the history of these characters and the track record of these creators, I'm, I'm just sitting here watching like, this isn't blowing me away, but I know this is going to be some good stuff. Like that was just kind of the vibe I got from it. Um, as far as like the what you're talking about with like the lighting and the locations and stuff. Cause I definitely had some of those same issues with that episode of the Mandalorian. Um, and that episode has kind of grown on me over time anyways, but yeah, the first time I saw it, same it definitely here. was, it definitely was jarring the first time. Like it, it did kind of look like a fan film that was just, you know, somebody went and shot, you know, outside of the town that they live in. Um, and I think that was just, you know, the, well, a, the fact that it was shot on location when most of that show is shot in the volume, but also the fact that it was shot, you know, out in the desert in the Southwest, I think it was, you know, somewhere in California, but it looks very similar to where I live here in Arizona. And, um, you know, anytime I go out and shoot something here, like it kind of looks the same, like it's got that harsh, like desert sunlight that just kind of doesn't look super cinematic. Um, and so yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying with that episode, but I didn't really get that same vibe from this trailer. I thought this looked pretty good as far as like recreating Tatooine and, you know, Jabba's Palace. And then it looks like there's like a new town that we're going to or something. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's the fact that it's Tatooine that having like outdoor location shoots with harsh sunlight um, just kind of looks more familiar or it's like, oh yeah, that's what Tatooine looks like as opposed to Tython, which I'm used to look to looking a lot different in the old Republic games. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't necessarily have any of those same issues with this um, in terms of just the visuals and the way it was shot. But I, I do get kind of that hesitation and, and the feeling of them pulling back and us maybe not quite getting the full scope of what this show is going to be. But again, like, I'm okay with that. I don't need to know everything going into it. I just know it's Boba Fett. He's going to be kicking butt. Um, you know, if it's if, if it's a whole series that's more of the same stuff we saw him do in a couple episodes of The Mandalorian last season, sign me up. So, yeah, I was I was good with it. All right, so you ready for the gushing to begin? <laughs> Gush away, Tim. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> well, see, first off, I will agree. I mean, just... As a trailer, it's not a mind-blowing trailer by any means. There's no like big shot that makes you go, oh wow, like that's the money shot of the trailer, or wow, that's incredible. I've never seen that before. There really wasn't anything like that in this trailer. But at the same time, I mean, like you were saying, Kyle, it's Boba Fett in it. It's Temuar Morrison back. The the armor looks better than ever. I I like how it I shouldn't say better than ever, because I still prefer the beat up one <laughs> that he had in the Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and even in the beginning of the tragedy episode of The Mandalorian. But I think it does look better than the upgrade he got in the last two episodes of the season. Because in this one, it still has some of the dents and the scuffs and marks that are on the helmet, which just gives that little bit of charm that Boba Fett's Mandalorian helmet has. So I did like that. It's not as cleaned up and well-painted as those as it was in those last two episodes. So again, just all that stuff, 
it just made me love the trailer because Boba Fett is getting his own series. And I'm just going to go back to how I felt when the tragedy first aired and just for me, how special that episode was and how it is still my favorite episode of season two of the Mandalorian. Just that we, you know, we heard the announcement that Tammy Morrison was back as Boba Fett. We saw him in the first episode of season two. At the same time, I remember we were talking about how maybe it's just a setup and tease for later on in another upcoming season of the Mandalorian, or maybe for his own series or some other project, because I remember saying we kind of got to the point in the mid season where it doesn't look like Boba Fett's going to factor into the story at all over the course of the remaining episodes of the season. And just when that episode started and it had the previously on the Mandalorian segment and it had that teaser with Boba Fett walking uh, to Fennec Shan's at that moment, dead body on Tatooine, you knew he was going to be in the episode. And then the way they brought him back, it was just like so special to me because uh, we've been clamoring for Boba Fett's return, or at least I have been, and I know you have Paul and others um, to have Boba Fett make his grand <laughs> appearance again in the star Wars universe, because it's been a long time coming. It was something that I said this before, but every time, or once Lucasfilm bought Disney and they announced the standalone movies, Boba Fett was pretty much near the top of my list of characters I wanted to see be in his own movie. And looks like we're going to get one. Then we didn't. Then looks like we were and then not. And then you just didn't know when he was going to show up again. And the fact that he made his appearance in the Mandalorian season two and the fact that it was done so well and they, how they incorporated uh, just his whole backstory that we know and because again that was a worry i had whatever they would bring back boba fett like in the early days of uh the disney acquiring lucasfilm would they change certain things would they make him not a clone all that stuff was worrying to me and then once we finally saw him in live action again and all that went out the window and just how great it was seeing him back in live action played by tim Earl morris and i was just completely blown away and i still get blown away every time i see that episode i just love it to death and seeing this trailer just reaffirms that special feeling that I got of seeing Boba Fett back in action again. Like, I'm just like you said, Paul, I'm just a huge fan of the character, and even more so once we got his backstory of him being a clone, just made me love him even more. And the fact that we're continuing his story in his own series, it just something I wouldn't have thought was possible um, several years ago. And just seeing this trailer just gave me all those good feelings of knowing or feeling that, oh, this is actually happening. One of my favorite Star Wars characters, I'm going to be seeing several episodes of him, and it looks amazing <laughs> as far as uh, the quality of what the show is going to look like, uh, the actors involved, and just the story and the setting. I do like how um, they're playing the angle, because we knew what that post credit scene for the Mandalorian Season 2 finale, how Boba Fett looks like he's taking over the criminal organization. Um, that's kind of up for grabs now that job is gone and he took out Bib Fortuna and how they're still playing the role where kind of that anti-hero side of him where he has that line where it goes, job are ruled by fear. I intend to rule with respect. So he know he was going to do things differently. He's not going to be the flat out villain gangster that Jabba was. So I do like they're making that point pretty clear early on in this trailer. So yeah, just overall general impressions of the trailer. I just loved it, but not because of any specific 
type of moment, a brand new thing that we haven't seen before, just mainly for the fact that it's continuing on of what I love of seeing Boba Fett from those episodes in the Mandalorian season two. And just how we're finally at that moment where we're getting new Boba Fett stories told in live action. Because I never would have dreamed of something like this back in the special edition days and when all we had was the original trilogy. And that's around that time period, I was just really getting into the character and just really fully diving into the different comic stories and novels of him. And I just remember thinking back then, man, how cool would it be to get more movies with Boba Fett or just more stories with Boba Fett um, that that's in live action. Cause at that point you didn't think much was on the horizon except for the prequels. And even then that was even before kind of rumblings, at least for me anyway, about Boba Fett appearing in the prequels. I remember remembering that there might be some Mandalorian stuff going on with there, but not specifically with Boba Fett. So I just, at that time would think that all I would have as far as new stories with Boba would be comics, novels, and, just a few minutes into <laughs> movies. So the fact that now we're at the point where he's getting his own series and I've actually seen footage from it now with this trailer, that's kind of the main reasons why I love it so much. Just um, thinking to how far we've come as <laughs> my fandom with the character. And then we're at to this point where we might be reaching peak Boba Fett fandom here <laughs> now that he has his own TV show and it's looking really cool. Yeah. So yeah, that's it just... Game left me with a good feeling when I watched it early that Monday morning a few weeks ago. It just put me on a high for the rest of the day. So I just did its job as far as making me super excited and just cannot wait for that December 29th premiere date. I want to make it very clear, too, that I, I, I did like the trailer. I don't want to make it sound like I was like, oh, this is crap. I mean, you see the freaking Ithorian, like, again, finally in live action. It only took, what, 10 years yeah. to get it from since. <laughs> I mean, come on. How ridiculous is that? I mean, I mean, you know, those. I don't want to bring the sequel trilogy up. It's like, where the hell are like, give me some like Ithorians in there a little bit, guys. I know you guys won't want to like create your, your Ithorian knockoffs, like in the weird last Jedi one that looks like, ugh, don't even get me started on that thing. Um, but like, but not the movie, but like the, the, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, but this is really cool to see like how, is you know that Ithorian, you know, I love the how he's the one narrating the story, you know, through this translator, which we've gotten in Rebels and other mm -hmm. uh things. So there's really cool stuff in this. Like obviously the Bomar Monk at the very beginning, you know, running around, yeah. which also <laughs> felt very weird because it looked like stop motion, like it was like old school. Um but it felt somehow right. I didn't somehow I never realized that that's what a Bomar monk was. Oh really? Like, yeah, like I, I knew, like I know, you know, I've heard of the species. I've I've heard them talk about, you know, the the huts live in these, you know, Bomar monasteries and talking about these Bomar monks and stuff. I never realized that those were the spider things with like the brain in the jar. That's so freaking weird. It's because because we're a little bit older than you. We we love those uh that what the Jabba's book right, like the Jabba's palace book. They really went nuts on that stuff. So like you know we I I grew up like reading that crap like crazy. Oh, see, cool I don't think I I don't think I knew what a Bomar monk was until the Clone Wars movie where they see, mentioned yeah. the huts mm -hmm. living in like an old Bomar monk monastery, and of course right. you don't you don't actually see one in there. Don't, wait, don't you for a second though? Like, isn't there some? Isn't there like like an? Uh, there's a little bit of an Easter egg with them, aren't? Isn't there? I mean, there might be, but again, they they don't point that out specifically. Like they talk about sure. Bomar monks, but this is the first time that I've I was and I was watching like a YouTube reaction of guys, you know, reacting to this trailer. Or actually, maybe it was even just an article. I think even in like the recap article on StarWars.com, they point out like, oh, you know, we start off with seeing a Bomar monk crawling across the sand, and I was like, wait, that's what that is. 
That's crazy, bro. But and, and I want to say that right now, I think it's gonna be cool. I I will think it's weird if they do if they go that anti-hero route with Boba. And I I don't I, I don't know. I, I feel like like how he said, like I feel like you know, they're said I do feel like I forgot about that line for a second, Tim, when he said I, I Java ruled by fear, I want to rule rule with, with respect. And though that's admirable, let's be real, if you're trying to run the underground, like you gotta like get your hands dirty. And I think that's maybe what we're getting. And I hope we get, I hope there's going to be a breaking bad kind of moment for Boba Fett where he has to kind of realize, like, if I'm going to be this, this way, I can't live by honor. Like the Mandalorians did. Right. Like that's, you know, that's why I think we loved season two so much. Right. Because they were so honorable. Like Boba was like, I'm, you know, I owe you because you gave me this or whatever. Right. And then he did his thing and he left. We're, but of course, he's also not afraid to crack some skulls. And like, I think, you know, him talking about like having his own code of honor and like intending to rule through respect. I don't think he's trying to go 100% good guy. Because again, no, he's, I agree. Still, he's still ruling the criminal underworld. Like no, I, he's, that, he's right, still going to be that. doing illegal stuff. But having this this sort of code of honor and the people that he works with, you know, them cooperating. You know, he says why uh, you, like why foster conflict when cooperation can make us all rich or something like that. Um, so I, but again, he's, he's Boba Fett. He's still a bad dude. He's still, you know, he's taken over Jabba's throne and running the underworld. And I don't think he's going to be doing it for altruistic reasons. Um, so I, I think, I definitely think they are going that anti-hero route They're You know, we're going to get, again, we're going to get to see plenty of Boba cracking skulls in, in this show. Um, but I also, I like that. I, I like seeing this new side to him that obviously we never really saw in the movies and having, um, you know, I, I guess you could say part of this is like influence of his Mandalorian heritage, but also just kind of his own personal code. And maybe this is the way Django did things and, you know, Boba's modeling after that, but that he's not just out for himself and out for bounties and willing to, you know, step over whoever and kill whoever, you know, he needs to, like he is willing to work with people and, you know, honor, uh, promises and, you know, foster allies and relationships and stuff like that. So, you know, he's not just completely a villain. So I think that's going to be, um, you know, a really interesting way to look at the character. I mean, it was already, I, I really liked how they did that in Mando season two. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, continuing that on where now he's the focus of the story and, and has all this room to take over and expand in the underworld. I think it's going to be really cool to see. What? Well, and, and, and I, I, really, really quick. I just want to back up. I, I don't, I'm not trying to say that like he's not afraid to crack skulls, but I well, I do find interesting. I'm hoping this is the way the, the way they go because I, I agree with you. I don't think he's afraid to crack skulls. What I do think is he's trying, and he's still a bad guy in some ways. He's you know he's an underground right. But what I'm saying is, if he really truly feels, even as an underground boss, that he can rule it by with respect and all, all that stuff, like he's going to find out he's wrong. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm hoping that's, I hope he kind of learns that. I kind of hope we see that moment of realization that he has to be ruthless to be, you know, what Java was because Java was ruthless. And Mm -hmm. to get that way, you have to, you have to be that, you know? And I think that you can't, there's not a lot of bad guys who are like, I'm a credible bad guy. Like it just doesn't really work. I mean, you can be an anti-hero and an anti-hero can work because you kind of, you tread on both things if you're going to run an underground, you're going to be a bad guy. You can't, you can't tread on both. So anyway, Tim, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. That's okay. And just going off what you said real quick, maybe that's what is going to happen. That's what he realizes. I agree. He's going to need yeah. and he'll have to leave or 
get rid of that organization or do something to not fully go down, I think, that full villain path that you would need to have as a gangster. Because I do agree with you, but I think that's going to be part of the arc and the journey is going to go on with this series. And not a good journey. Well, yeah. a good quote-unquote journey, right? Like, it would be like his, almost like his reverse good uh, hero's journey. It would be the villain journey. No, I see, I think... See, I'm taking it oh, that really? okay. Boba Fett, like he's going to realize that he can't be that bad and like he'll have to either get rid of the whole criminal organization or leave it or something. Because I really think oh, that him okay. coming out of the Starlack pit is kind of like a rebirth for him too. And I think we might get moments okay. of yeah. that in flashbacks where even him agreeing to make that deal with the Mandalorian in season two to help him get Grogu back. I don't know if the old Boba Fett would do that. I mean, maybe he would have mm. with the sense of honor that um, Jango Fed instilled with him. Maybe he lost some of that along the way of him being a bounty hunter, and then he wants to try to get uh, get more of that honor side of him back coming out of the Sarlacc pit. I just think that changes him forever, where he's going to be a different type of person, not just the ruthless bounty hunter that uh, we kind of remember him for in the original trilogy. At least that's kind of what I'm taking from what we've seen in season two and of The Mandalorian and of him, and what um, could possibly happen in this series. But one thing, too, I was maybe expecting to get a little bit more info on this trailer, but they didn't really dive into it all. But the fact that the show is called the book of Boba Fett, and we've kind of speculated on this before and what that could mean, but I was kind of wondering if we'd get maybe a more definitive answer in the trailer, as far as why it's called the book of Boba Fett, as far as um, showing something of maybe the actual book <laughs> that it's referring to that he has. Um, but I'm curious to see the actual reason as far as why the series is called the book of Boba Fett. And I still personally think it's going to have something to do in regards to his past. Cause we know, um, Tammy Morrison said they are going to dive into the, into Boba Fett's past and what happened, um, before and after the Sarlacc pit, I believe he said. Um, so I just wondering if that's where the name, the book of Boba Fett is going to play. And I'm kind of hoping for that too, cause I hope it has to refer to moments that deal with his past, whether it is actually in a physical book, um, that he has possession of or that he's always had possession of and that's where he's recounting the flashback moments or not or if it's something that he's going to be adding to it with the new adventures and that he's going to be going on over the course of the series to add into that book so but that was something I was wondering if we get a little more clarification on this trailer and we didn't but that's okay because <laughs> I, I'm going back to what you were saying too Kyle as far as comparing it to the Mandalorian trailer especially season two how it really didn't have any of those big wow moments either, like this trailer didn't have, but we know how amazing that season turned out and just how many big, crucial um, Star Wars, uh, just Star Wars in general plot points were in that season. Um, I have full confidence that's going to be the case with the Book of Boba Fett as well, where we are going to just get learn some fascinating new aspects of the character and maybe even just in uh, the overall Star Wars canon as well. So... I have no doubts there that even though this trailer really didn't dive into that, it just really showed us or gave us the basic plot of what the series is going to be. Boba Fett trying to rule the the criminal underworld here. and But we know it's going to be much more bigger than that. And there's going to be a lot more stuff to go down than just that. And um, even though the trailer didn't have it, we should definitely expect the series to have plenty of that stuff. So that really wasn't a criticism that I had of the trailer, that it really didn't dive into more stuff than that or reveal any kind of major big story reveals because um, we know that's coming. So I think they kind of know that too, as far as those <laughs> who put the trailer together at Lucasfilm, where they don't need to reveal all that big stuff. 
because it just makes it that much more better when we see it in the actual series. And Mandalorian season two is just case in point of that because it's how pretty much every episode in that season was special. And this hopefully that's the same with the book of Boba Fett and uh, with the trailer not showing too much of that, that's kind of how I'm expecting it to be the same too. I have one thing I want to add to everything and I'll be done with the book of Boba Fett. And maybe I'm too dumb to never notice this, even with like the, the post credit scene, which by the way, still is weird for me to say that the star Wars had a post credit <laughs> scene. But anyway, uh, is the Rancor heads on the chair. I mm-hmm. never noticed that until I literally was just rewatching it before while we were recording the show. Like right before I was like, Oh, there was a Rancor heads. <laughs> <laughs> am I, am I, am I, am I totally like the last person to realize this? Yeah. I think I realized that, uh, back in Mando season two, because obviously I'm, like, oh, I know everybody, ta- you know, people talk about it like, Oh, he's coming for Jabba's throne. But obviously like, as far as I know, that throne wasn't in Return of the Jedi because Jabba wouldn't it, fit no. in a chair yeah. like that. He was just up on a big slab. But yeah, that that throne maybe. design was in Mando season two. And I don't remember if I noticed that for myself or saw it pointed out in a video or whatever. But yeah, that's not the first time we've seen that. All right, all right, all right. I'll give up. <laughs> but I did. Lo- I love every shot of Boba on that chair. It just sitting there like like a boss and just mm-hmm. yeah it just looks so awesome and i love that final line in the trailer where it just goes please speak freely because you know something happened there like either someone did something or said something and boba wasn't having it where he blasted him and then he just kind of says to the rest of the group like you know <laughs> kind of like in a mocking way to like everyone's speak freely but at the same time warning them you know be careful what you say as well but uh, yeah well cool even even if it wasn't after them shooting somebody or something, you know, again, the, just the way that Fennec says, if you had spoken that way to Jabba, he would have fed you to his, you know, his menagerie of rancors or whatever. And then Boba just saying, speak freely. It's like, is this him saying that I'm different from Jabba and I'll hear you out? Or is this him saying, uh, you know, go ahead and test me because you knew what Jabba would do, but you don't know what I'll do. Yeah. Like. <laughs> You know, that kind of thing. And I think it's a little bit of both. And it's, you know, him kind of playing mind games with people. So, um, and that just makes me think, you know, are is Boba going to have his own Rancor? Is any of Jabba's stuff, you know, still left over there? Are we going to see Moochie as a full-grown <laughs> Rancor in this show? Um, That's another cool which, aspect. On the one hand, I would love to see. But on the other hand, like, Moochie only works as a name for a baby Rancor. Like if you try to have a full size rancor in live action, it's like eating people, and it's like named Mochi. So I don't. Cute. I guess. Oh my it, god! Well, yeah, like uh, I don't know how that's. I love Mochi. That episode do. remains. That episode the, remains an all timer, man. It's so amazing. I love that episode so much, but I'm just like, you know, if if you try to turn cute baby Mochi into an intimidating, angry live action rancor, I don't know if that would work, and I also don't think it would be really work to have, you know, a, a live action giant Rancor that's more like cute and for comic relief. That would just be weird. So I don't know. But I think there's going to be a lot of cool surprises in the show, whether it's Rancors, whether it's other bounty hunters. Like I know we did. I, I was kind of expecting that we'd see a cameo in this trailer from maybe either like Dengar or Bosk or one of those guys, because I... I kind of get the feeling. I'm like, I would not be surprised if we saw all those guys show up. Whether I agree, they're, yeah. Whether they're working with Boba, whether they're coming after him and they're trying to take his throne, or whether you know they they go off bounty hunting and just run into each other or whatever. But like, you know, Bosk, Dengar, 
Forlom, Zuckus, Cad Bane. Um, I think that's the one. There's that's the big surprise for the season. I really think well, we're right. Get and, it. and and which is why I was like, I know we're not going to see Cad Bane in the trailer, but what if we saw one of those other guys? But obviously, they're keeping all of those cards up their sleeve. So I don't want to see anything. I just want to go and watch the show. And can I be real with you guys right now? I'm I may do this because I'm so anti watching a, an amazing show like these great shows like from Marvel and Star Wars on a freaking boring Wednesday. Like I'm so oh, anti yeah. this that, that like, I'm honestly, I know it's a sacrilege. I might wait till Friday. Mm-hmm. I might just get off social media mm-hmm. for a couple of days. Like I don't even care. Cause I don't want to waste like a night of like, Oh, I got to get on and like watch it on Wednesday night and then go to work the next two days. Like that seems so lame to me. I'm not just going to hold off and watch to wait till Friday. Like I, I loved, I loved watching Mandalorian on Fridays. So damn much yep. but like i just i'm you know i think i'm just gonna bite the bullet i'm like you know what i i mean let's be real getting off social media for a couple of days isn't gonna kill me and in fact it'll probably do me some good so i mean like it's like only you know what i'm saying like it just makes sense to me i i don't want to keep fridays you know going for fun like look forward to the end of the week and i don't want to have to be like look forward to wednesday and then like the rest of two days to, uh, like i want to i want to end the week on the right note which is a star wars you know tv show or whatever so you know what i'm i'm gonna say it here now i'm sticking to fridays i ain't doing it i didn't do this wednesday crap i'm doing fridays wow well, well major, major props to you if you're able to hold off for two more days because oh i, will. I would love to do that but i know i can't I, the new star wars content just sitting there and waiting to be when, enjoyed when, when the sun goes down when the sun goes down Tim's got to get down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you know, I'll watch it in the morning as soon as I get up, oh, just, so yeah, I can, I just so I can I go on social that. media and not be spoiled. As long as I'm watching it on my TV, I, I don't no. get, I don't get people. I don't get people that will watch a new episode of something like this on their Wait, phone or their laptop. Did you do that though? Did you do that for like Bad Batch or something? You did it for like, you tried oh, to do it for the Clone Wars season. That's right. That's right. Oh, oh, for that no, yeah, for for that one first episode of Clone Wars. That, well, that was just because I was so freaking excited for Clone Wars, and I just wanted to watch a little bit of that first episode um, on my phone, which which I then, remembers that which, which I didn't I didn't even get all the way through it because you know I was I was like deliriously tired from our day at Galaxy's Edge, but we had gone the entire day and hadn't watched Clone Wars yet, and I was like, I have to watch it. Um, that was that's the only time I would do something like that. But yeah, no, and yeah, no, I, I'm not gonna, especially when I'm at home and have access to my TV. I'm not just gonna sit there and like watch it on my phone instead. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, good luck with that. The, and it it doesn't even matter that much to me. I would prefer to have it be on Fridays, but like, new Star Wars is new Star Wars, so I'm gonna watch it as soon as it drops. Well, I guess we got well, our schedules planned out. Kyle, Wednesday morning, me Wednesday night. Paul Friday night. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to like write down in my calendar when I'm allowed to text you guys about the episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you should know Paul doesn't watch until Friday night and probably not until like nine o'clock. So, you know, just know that. Well, we'll see if you stick to it. That's but, true. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, though. I mean, everything you were just talking about, Tim, with like you know, the arc that we're going to see Boba go on. It'll, it'll be interesting because I feel like he's already like a pretty well-established character. Like he knows his goals and motivations and stuff, but you're right. I definitely think him coming out of the Sarlacc pit is going to be kind of a turning point for him. And he, he's going to kind of see it as a new lease on life. And maybe this is why he's 
more focused on, you know, respect and integrity and honor and all this kind of stuff, even though he's still a bad dude in the underworld. But which um, I think, but I'm wondering too, if we got a little glimpse of that in the trailer, because there was that one shot of the Tuscan Raiders walking on the Tatooine sands. And I wonder if that's them discovering Boba Fett escaping from the Sarlacc pit. Because, I mean, I'd be shocked at this point if we don't see Boba Fett get out of the Sarlacc pit. I think that's... I think we have to. Yeah, some kind of flashback. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I was going to ask you guys that because I don't... I'm, you know me, I'm anti-spoilers. I know you guys are pretty good about that too, but I don't know if you guys... Do you guys know fa- like for if, if it's fact or not we're going to see that? Or no. you guys literally don't know? Okay, cool. No. I don't, all yeah, all I don't we're know. going off but is I what Temuel assume... Morrison said about there being flashbacks. Yeah, I, I would think that at this point, it like it's pretty much a guarantee. We have to at least get some kind of explanation as to how he survived. But even just yeah. thinking back to Mando season two of like, not only do we see, well, even in season one, we see flashbacks to like his childhood. But then in season two, we see the flashbacks of Cobb Vanth, like telling his story. And so we could get something similar with Boba, you know, it. It could be, depending on how they want to do the story, we could get a whole flashback episode or it could just be quick little snippets like that as he's explaining the story, depending on how involved they want to make it. Um, yeah. Well, honestly, and, and I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how he loses the armor because it's like, you know, if he if he just gets spit out by the Sarlacc or whatever, did the Jawas just come and like take his armor off while he's unconscious or did he come out with his armor on and then lose it at some point later or you know so there is maybe some interesting story that they could explore there where maybe and one or two entire episodes of the show could just be devoted to that but we'll see i i kind of feel like that that makes it be not like throughout the whole season obviously but it almost feels like the first episode should be a juxtaposition of of him coming out of the Starlight pit and also him rising to power in the underworld. Mm. So it's almost like you have mm. that interesting. And I think yeah. it's very possible. You're going to have that, like the whole thing of him, you know, crawling out and rebirth being literally rebirthed, right. From like from rebirth, from death into his new rebirth into life. Now, instead of a bounty hunter, he's becoming, you know, a different position in life. There is a really cool like thematical storytelling in there of like how those two things are related and very similar and very interesting and how you could cut between them. And I, I almost feel like the first, the first opening shot of the book of Boba Fett should be of Boba getting out. Yeah, I feel you have to show it. I don't think you can just tell us like you found me in, you know, like the classic uh, 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 Dark Empire comic where uh, Cam Kennedy has this great like long, like, you know, panel of or, uh, you know, Bill Buffett being green solo. And it's like, I saw you die. And this little small panel of, you know, <laughs> Dengar and Boba Fett, you know, B- you know, Boba Fett basically saying that uh, uh, Sarlacc Pit found me somewhat indigestible solo. And it's like, wow, that was uh pretty uneventful. But I mean, if you read Star Wars, what, 81 uh, in the Marvel series, that pretty much is what they're alluding to. So, which is a great comic, by the way, Jawas of Doom is a legit book. Um, Anyway, uh, but yeah, like, I feel like, like you, Kyle, I feel there's a lot of symbolism that you could do while him being spit up, being rebirthed and him losing an armor and being stripped down to his, you know, I hate saying Barry Essentials would be basically naked without his armor, but like, but thematically that that's, that would hold true because he was lost without his armor. And then once he got it back, he became in that hole again and became fulfilled and he became a different person again. So it almost feels like you have to show that him become that rebirth and that and being torn, you know, down to his, to, he has nothing left literally to being built up to where he has everything 
again and have it side by side to show us how the transition of the character has gone. I, I love that idea. I feel like if they don't do it, it's, it's wrong and they should hire me to write things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, mostly. No, yeah, that would no, work I, really well. Yeah. That I agree with you. And another aspect, too, that I'm excited to see play out is how um, we know he's probably going to get resistance from the different criminal organizations about him taking over. But the fact right. that it's not going to be, I don't want to hear those different like crime bosses say, well, who are you? Like, who are you to take over Jabba's organization? I want them to go to know that it's Boba Fett. Um, old stories, he is the best bounty hunter of the galaxy. He has that reputation. And if I had one little disappointment about him in the Mandalorian season two, it felt like uh, nobody knew who he was as far as his reputation. And I felt this it should have been recognized somehow, especially from Din Djarin, as far as him being a bounty hunter himself. You think he would know who Boba Fett is, um, at least kind of recognize um, Boba Fett's reputation and his history or whatnot. But there was no reference to that. And I'm just kind of hoping that that is something that uh, the people who's going to be dealing with in the series, they do recognize. Maybe they don't want him to rule, but um, they know who he is and his reputation as being the best bounty hunter in the galaxy. And it's not going to be a simple case as, who are you? Like, who's this guy to take over Jabba's organization? It's like, no, they know it's Boba Fett. And maybe they're more scared of him to take over than maybe possibly Jabba. At least some of them might think that way, knowing his past reputation as a ruthless bounty hunter. So um, that's another aspect I was just thinking of right now that um, as I'm kind of watching the trailer over again <laughs> as we're talking about it and then seeing some of those shots of him talking to those different uh, crime bosses there that um, hopefully some some of them will feel that way as far as him being uh, one of the best bounty hunters in the galaxy. Yeah, I mean, I think especially if we get some familiar faces like we're talking about, like, and also him being back on Tatooine, which is like his old stomping ground with Jabba, I think they definitely will deal with that issue of like his reputation and his notoriety. And even if not everybody knows his name, um, cause you know, it's been a while since he was, you know, since he fell into that Sarlacc pit and I, it is nice to, you know, for one, like at least in one aspect of these shows, seeing the galaxy being a big place, like it's not, it's not that far fetched to think that even if Din Jaren's a bounty hunter that he, you know, just never would have crossed paths with Boba Fett. Um, but yeah, I think definitely, especially again, being on Tatooine, dealing with Hut territory. And if we get, you know, Dengar and Bosk and all those guys back, we're definitely going to have Boba cross paths with some guys who know his name very well and uh see how that all plays out but yeah like we said um not a whole lot within the trailer itself to really blow us away or whatever but i i just like i said at the beginning i just liked the overall vibe of it and you know seeing boba back in action we get a little bit of you know um some action stuff with him um looking like you know not only is he even cool in his armor with his blaster and stuff but uh you know there's a, a shot of him and fennec getting cornered by some guys in you know like a town square or whatever and uh it looks like he gets somebody on the ground and is about to like chop their head off or something with a big i don't know vibro axe or whatever that thing is so see some more of that uh you know raw brutal side of boba that we saw in uh in the tragedy before he got his armor back too um but yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing that show when it premieres in, geez, it's like a month and a half now. Um, so that's going to be coming up real quick. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so let's move on from the Book of Boba trailer and talk about 
the stuff that we did get from Disney Plus Day. Um, and primarily, I mean, you know, the the uh, Under the Helmet Legacy of Boba Fett. I mean, I don't know if you guys really want to, you know, talk a whole lot about that, but we can mention that just while we're already on the topic of Boba Fett. Um, but this was cool. You know, it's like a 20-minute documentary you can watch on Disney Plus. Um, basically detailing the history of the character from the inception and how George created him when they were working on Empire Strikes Back all the way up till now and how he's become a fan favorite and the other stories he's appeared in and stuff like that. Um, and I mean, my favorite thing about this was, hey, I think this is the first like behind the scenes Star Wars stuff that we've gotten in a long time that we've seen George Lucas in, mm-hmm. um, especially thing. having yeah. him, especially having him sit down and, and give an interview as part of it. I mean, I know we've seen him pop up you know behind the scenes on the mandalorian just showing up to to talk to dave and everything and we've seen like pictures of that and stuff but to me i thought it was ironic that it's and it was for boba fett too because i remember interviews where george lucas would say like i don't know why he's such a popular character i'm mystified by it (laughs) (laughs) the mtv the mtv documentary i know exactly what i love that way i know it's so good (laughs) it's funny because i'm mystified by it yeah (laughs) it's funny because i kind of got that vibe from it too there's a part at the end where george says something like you know i like the character um but like he doesn't sound like (laughs) as as enamored with him as like everybody else i mean you know because they had they've got some some older footage in there of jeremy bullock who you know obviously passed away last year but like they interviewed daniel logan um who's you know super excited still to this day to the fact that you know he got to play boba fett as a kid and dave filoni who always has great insight on like what this character means to the story and what he means to the fans and what george's influences were and all that kind of stuff um so you can tell like it means a lot to these guys and then george is like yeah he's cool and you know i was like I wonder if George actually likes Boba Fett that much or, you know, if he's like, you know, thinks the fans are weird for liking him so much. But um, regardless, I mean, it, it was really cool just to to get to hear from George again and hear yeah. him talk about, you know, his process of making Star Wars and creating these characters and stuff. It's, you know, been a while since we've seen him and stuff like this. And then again, to have um, Dave Filoni involved and Daniel Logan and a bunch of other guys who, you know, worked behind the scenes. I think like Ben Bird is also in there and uh, Joe Johnston. Yeah, it was great to hear from him talking Boba Fett yeah. on camera because you kind of rarely hear from him <laughs> on the Star Wars stuff, especially Boba Fett. To hear from all these old legends who, you know, worked on the original trilogy and helped create the character. That was pretty cool. And again, is you know, just something else to kind of whet your appetite as if, you know, if you weren't already excited or for maybe for people that are newcomers and are like, oh, I don't get what all the hype is about this guy. Um, just kind of a, a good refresher on sort of the legacy of that character and why this particular character is getting his own spinoff series in the first place. Yeah, I really enjoyed it for all the reasons you said. But again, kind of going back to what I was talking about before, why I love the trailer so much, because seeing this documentary really took me back to the early 90s or not early 90s mid 90s kind of special edition era pre-special edition era where all i had to see stuff of boba fett more than the movies was behind the scene footage and some of the documentary stuff they had on the empire strikes back and return of the jedi so it was cool to kind of see something like that again but which makes it even more special is going again going back to what i said about the trailer is the fact that we are getting new boba fett stories now and we have gotten some already with the mandalorian season two so the fact that you're kind of combining kind of that early style of documentaries of old footage of Boba just from Empire and Jedi and even stuff from the holiday special and thinking about how that's all I had back then, 
But then just a few minutes later, they're going into the Mandalorian season two. They're going into the book of Boba Fett. And to have that all combined into one 20 minute documentary was really cool to see. And I just liked how it did a good job of incorporating um, the whole aspects of stories that we've gotten with Boba Fett in the main canon from movies to Clone Wars and then out to the Mandalorian and book of Boba Fett. Um, In a short 20 minutes, I felt they did a good job of kind of talking about all those main points for the character and the different milestones that he has um, over the course of 40 years, as Ben Byrne <laughs> pointed out. Um, just kind of being amazed how long it, it's been that this character um, who they just first introduced, I like how they introduced it or they started it with that introduction Ben Burt had with the other um, uh, ILM crew member. I'm blanking on his name. <laughs> the one who first wore that test armor of the Boba Fett suit and, how far it's come 40 years later and just kind of hear his perspective on that, how he can't believe it. Just doing something what he thought would be a little test and introduction for this new costume design for potential arm, like new trooper army for the empire strikes back. And just how it wasn't meant to be what it became with the character of Boba Fett. So just a bunch of cool stuff in this documentary that, like I said, I felt did a good job of encompassing all of, uh, Boba Fett's history throughout the course of 40 years in, tr- in just 20 minutes. So I think it's definitely worth the watch for um, definitely for fans of the character, but even if for those who were kind of just getting into the character in f- just from the Mandalorian or more uh, recent Star Wars fans who know of the character but aren't too familiar with his history, it's a good little recap uh, to know where the origins of the character came from. So I thought it was really cool. You know, I, I, I love me some documentaries. I really do. I, I I could watch documentaries all day. It's I don't. I feel like I am always looking for a good docu series or documentary, and I just love that stuff. And I was a little bummed this was a little bit shorter than I wanted it to be because they. It's funny because I, I I always joke on Twitter and I love like poking like people who like you know a couple of years ago ago were like, Boba is so boring and like who even like likes him and all this stuff and I'm like, just like sitting here like, you don't have to like him. I'm not saying that, but. I'm just sitting here like thinking like you seriously going to like say like act like you know what you don't know why people like Boba Fett like are you freaking kidding me and it's like I mean they I love how the very beginning of the of the documentary basically is just like everyone's like Boba Fett Boba Fett Boba Fett Boba Fett like it basically shows you like everyone knows who Boba Fett is and then acknowledges that he only has a little bit of screen time but everyone loved him how mysterious he was and how again he became a character that everyone wanted to know more about and loved and thought he was cool it's like that's the total like opposite of boring. I mean, it's like, I mean, like when a character captivates people that much, like you could consider it's boring, but like most people disagree and a character who only has what six minutes of total screen time can do that. Like that's an impressive thing. And it's a bummer because they glossed over the fact that like how in the nineties, he pretty much carried star Wars mer- like merchandise and I say merchandise, I should say also he was like the face of star Wars for like, I'd say what the mid nineties to basically uh, Phantom Menace. Definitely. Yeah. I don't agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd say early mid nineties from the, basically when the Phantom Menace started like, uh, oh, fan, I said Phantom. Oh my God. Freudian slip on that one. Uh, <laughs> Phantom Menace, um, you know, came out. And so like, it, it's like, yeah, people don't, they want to like forget, like there was a zillion comics and books about them and like, and people ate that crap up. And that's why they, there were so many books and comics about him. I mean, like it, he was on every toy and whatever. It's like, 
the point is this is like people try to act like no one cared about Boba Fett and like why did anyone ever did it's like ridiculous it's like no 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 you don't you can't control that if you could control that don't you think like Lucasfilm and any other company would be like all we need is this and it all and then people will think something is cool like Boba Fett's don't come around they don't grow them on trees you know what I mean like so when something as special as Boba Fett happens it's not because he's boring it's because he captivates and brought something into the into like Star Wars world that people really were into. And that's not boring. And I think this documentary documentary does a great job of showing the appeal of the character. And even though like I think George brought Boba into a a, a point where in or a the story that no one thought of and no one would have liked at first, but it's definitely because of the Clone Wars, the animation show, it's definitely grown on people and have accepted it. And now we're all into it. And I think that like it's just inter- interesting to see this history of the character kind of evolve over, over time. And let's be real. This whole documentary exists because they want to promote the show. And in the last couple minutes was a, a basically a promotion of the show and it's fine, but I wish it was a little bit longer. Cause I think there's still some interesting things there. How like, again, they underplay or downplayed the fact that this was, he carried the franchise for a good, like I'd say what five, six years himself, yeah. in my opinion. I mean, Maybe maybe that's over you know overstating it a little bit, but I mean I'm not completely far off. I mean in my opinion anyway. No, I would agree with that definitely. I mean heck, we lived through that <laughs> at least in my experience as a Star Wars fan during that time. Exactly, I could definitely testify for that. And I'm just saying, hoping for more in that documentary. Like when you got Lucas there for an interview, I'm sure there's more footage that they just had to cut to get it to 20 minutes. But heck, I would have loved if the documentary was just Lucas talking about Boba Fett <laughs> and just. Oh, I would love to hear a more dive into bringing him back and incorporating him into Attack of the Clones and just the Clone Wars in general, just what a big part he ended up being <laughs> into that aspect of Star Wars that um, before the prequels, like you said, Paul, we'd have no clue or would even guess that, that that would be his origins. And just, I would love to hear Lucas talk more about that. And I'm wondering if he did, if it just made it to the cutting room floor. But again, the little bit we did get of Lucas, it was just great to have that, especially being something as recent as it looked to be. So um yeah would love for more lucas but still appreciate what we got of him talking about boba in this documentary yeah for sure <clears throat> um but yeah like it was it was great regardless um and yeah a good little you know primer on boba fett to pair with the trailer and get us excited for the show coming up um and then you know the the one sad lone other thing that we got was the uh the obi-wan sizzle reel um, which again, I really wish this hadn't leaked yesterday because on its own, this is pretty cool. Even though yeah. we were hoping to see footage, I think the biggest takeaway from this is all the concept art that they show. That's got me really excited. Um, and I think like, you know, the, the s- scope of this show is definitely looking to be bigger than I ever anticipated for an Obi-Wan show set in between episodes three and four. You know, I was like, man, what is there really to tell while he's just chilling in the desert watching over Luke? Like you could maybe, you know, have him resolving some local disputes. You could have him uh, dealing with sand people. You could have him meditating and learning more Jedi wisdom from Yoda and Qui-Gon and stuff like that. And I don't know what the, uh, I don't know, sort of the driving force of this story is going to be and what makes him leave Tatooine, because it certainly seems like he's going to leave Tatooine at some point. Yeah, um, I'm preparing myself some for of that. These concept yep. art. Yeah, oh yeah, because in, I mean, some of the concept art images that we see in this video, um, 
and I'm kind of just going from memory here. I don't even have them pulled up in front of me, but like, um, there are definitely a, a couple that look like different planetary locations. One looks almost like the underworld of Coruscant and another one looks like a, you know, kind of a completely new planet or maybe something that could be like an area on Corellia or something like that. Um, there's one that looks like it might be Tatooine and it's got an inquisitor ship with an inquisitor coming down and a couple of stormtroopers. Um, and it's interesting because the design of the inquisitor in that particular art piece looks almost exactly like the second sister from Jedi fallen order. Um, who spoiler alert, if you haven't played Jedi fallen order yet, uh, she dies at the end of the game. And so, and that game is set five years after uh, Revenge of the Sith. And this show is supposed to be, I think, eight, uh, eight years after or something around there. Um, so I'm guessing that that's just a placeholder that, you know, maybe the purpose of the concept art was supposed to be more about the scenery or the ship design or something. And they just kind of took a, a generic Inquisitor design or maybe whatever that character is supposed to be that particular design hasn't been finalized yet i'm hoping that's the case because you guys know how much i love it when they go somehow this character returned um <laughs> but i really hope that okay they paul don't, got his last know. jedi jab in you got your rise of skywalker jab in we should be good for the rest of the show <laughs> to right? be fair that's not entirely just a rise of skywalker jab because i just that's a pet peeve of mine in general when they bring dead characters back to life because they're like oh we thought of another way that we could have used them in the story and so we're just gonna make up some weird way that they're still alive somehow. Um, I mean, I'll give them a pass for Fennec Shand and the Mandalorian because, you know, sort of like Maul, it seems like they're, you know, they've got a lot more story ideas for that character and she's, you know, going to go from just kind of a, maybe a cool one-off character that was kind of underutilized in that one episode in season one to now a character that was pretty cool in season two and is going to get a lot more to do in Book of Boba. Um, but you know, it could be a very similar situation where a character is mortally wounded and left for dead and you just assume, oh, they're dead. We're not going to see them again. And then find out, oh, somebody came along and stitched them up and used some, I don't know, some machinery or some dark force powers or whatever. And somehow yeah. she's still alive. But I with how she died, you think she'd here. still be with the empire though? <laughs> yeah, true, true. I mean, I don't know. They could have like brainwashed her again or whatever. Um, I, but again, I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping that it's either an, another inquisitor that just has a really similar design or that that's just a placeholder in some concept art that wasn't finalized yet or whatever. Um, but so, but the fact that that art looks like it maybe could be on Tatooine, it's like maybe an inquisitor comes looking for Obi-Wan, um, you know, on, on Tatooine and finds him and then he defeats that inquisitor, but then maybe has to go on a quest to maybe he has to go back to the inquisitor's base or something and like erase Tatooine from the archive so that they can't come and find Luke or something like mm -hmm. that. I don't know. Um, regardless, a couple things that look really interesting now that we know, I, I mean, I, I think we can take this as confirmation that inquisitors are involved. There's also one of the actors. Um, I forget his name, the guy that's in uh, Fast and Furious. I think he had said in an interview that like he basically confirmed that his character has a lightsaber. And a lot there were some rumors going around that he might have been playing an Inquisitor. Um, but also in one of those pieces of concept art, it's like an Imperial base and you've got, you know, this big, long metallic hallway and there's stormtroopers walking around. But then you got these big high windows and there's like this blue light coming in from outside. And it looks like it might be underwater. And it looks like, 
you know, it could be the uh, the Inquisitor Fortress from Jedi Fallen Order, which is you know looks a lot like ah. Vader's castle, but it's on un- it's underwater and it's on a planet that's right next to Mustafar. Um, and we also see, you know, there's another piece of concept art that looks like Vader sitting in a throne or whatever in his castle. Um, oh yeah, that's definitely. His and then, <laughs> yeah, and then we get the the one image of Obi Wan and Vader fighting, and it looks like they might be back on Mustafar. And so it's like, I mean, what if Obi Wan fights Vader in Vader's castle on Mustafar? Like, oh boy, <laughs> uh, I I don't know why I. Uh, oh my god man it's that's yeah that's a lot to take in i don't know yeah, if i would like, like i said the, I, don't, I don't think i'd survive watching that episode to be but honest. It, would you be able to make it, it to friday happen. on that paul <laughs> oh I, I would wait i would wait i would honestly like for like, let's be real if i can somehow make the mandalorian and and the what or whatever if i can survive a wednesday to friday through boba fett and mandalorian i will just i will delete every social media thing off my post for Obi-Wan Kenobi series and just be like, hell no, I ain't going to let anything ruin this for me. I will, I will always be forever happy and grateful for myself for not knowing baby Yoda existed until I watched that first episode of Mandalorian and nothing. And that only proved to me that like, I will go through any depths to avoid spoilers. And I don't even care. I like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like I will, I will cease to exist from the internet if it means like saving what I can for that. If, it, if that's what, if I'm going to get something like that in the series, I just, I'll just spontaneously combust probably, <laughs> you know, like I just, I don't think I'd survive that episode. I'd just be like die of happiness. Cause that's like, that sounds like I would never, it just sounds like the thing I dreamed of in my dreams. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I, I, I didn't even, you know, I avoided, this trailer because i i was like i knew we got some, some concept art i didn't watch it till like literally last night and i was perplexed because i'm like why would this is a year old and why do they wait this long to show us and they only showed investors i was very confused and it looked great and it's what but i didn't i'll be honest i didn't spend much time looking at everything i just kind of took it all in and went cool i'm excited like i i'm trying to save as much as i can for this obi-wan kenobi miniseries which I'll be real. Like I don't. Everyone says like it's a one-time special. Let's be real. I mean, if it's if it's gigantic, it, they'll they'll be back. I mean, or not they. I don't think they'll have an Obi Wan versus Vader thing again. But you know, I think I, I think Owen is Obi Wan Kenobi or you know, Owen. Even as Obi Wan Kenobi is not a uh, coming back again is a is a um, a complete reach. It, I think it would take a. It would have to be a pretty successful series and and get a good story to get him back in it again after the series, um, the se- or special mini series, whatever. But at the same time, I, I, I don't know. I think this is such a monumental thing because I love o- Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's one of my favorite star Wars characters. He's always been since basically Ewan McGregor. I, I've yeah, realized I love, I've loved Ewan McGregor forever. Um, b- besides star Wars. So when he became, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, I just was like all about the- him as an actor. And, you know, I've always been a huge fan of his and I just, I want this series to be, and I think it's going to be great. Um, you know, I think the fact that they've really held out for the right thing for this, uh, character and this actor has only made this weight, I think that much more special. And I think what we're getting is so much better than probably what they ever could have given us in a film, even though, and again, Uh, I I love going to, Yeah, I, I think going to a movie theater and watching this, you know, uh, a movie would be great. But, 
you know, which I'll, I have a little thing for that in a second. But, you know, at the same time, I think this series is where I think we need to get. We need to really see a fleshed out Obi-Wan and people have been wanting to watch, see that. And it, it, we deserve to see Ewan McGregor give it to us. So I, I just I'm saving every little spoiler, every little thing. I'm avoiding everything I can to just enjoy the series and it bums me out and it's not your fault kyle because i've already heard this before but it bums me out the inquisitor thing got leaked out it's like oh, come on man can we just like can we try to like you know save the stuff but if i mean what you're telling me if it's like literally darth vader having a meeting of the inquisitors around a table in darth vader's castle i mean oh my <laughs> god how how legit is that i mean if we can see the grand inquisitor mm-hmm. like uh like in live action uh hello I mean, let that I mean, how rad would that be? I mean, I yeah. love the Grand Has Inquisitor. It, when he, uh, I don't lie, the, uh, I'm remembering hearing something like the actor who voiced him, was it Jason Isaacs? You yeah, kind of yeah. hinted at something about returning as the Inquisitor or like playing him again. I wasn't sure if he made it like clear that it was live action, but I remember hearing something where he like he gave a hint that he might not be done with that character. I, I thought I, yeah, I just heard something down. where he said he would like to come back and do it again. Um, yeah. He liked that paycheck again? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, look, whenever but, an actor says that, I love to play the character again. It's like, yeah, you love that paycheck again. Let's be yeah, that's real. Why I mean, yeah. it stood but out to I me would also like think there are that. a lot of, maybe not everybody, but I'm sure there are a lot of actors who genuinely enjoy being in Star Wars and love, you know, interacting I with know, the fans I, and just being part I'm of this world. Being pessim- I'm being a pessimistic old man, okay? <laughs> Let me be the pessimistic old man of the group, okay, Kyle? We all can't be young and dashing like you, okay? And tall, Thin, fit, <laughs> handsome. Uh, anyway, let uh, old yes. short fat people just be happy, okay? Or as, miserable. As my dad likes to say, I'm tall, dark, and eh, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that's awesome. But um yeah, I mean it's this show is gonna be nuts and i don't know why like knowing that vader is going to be in it i i imagined obi-wan and vader like fighting in some imperial base or something i don't think the idea of vader's castle had even crossed my mind same here i don't know why but like when i saw that concept art where it looked like they're fighting on mustafar i was like oh crap they're gonna go back to mustafar like it seems so obvious when you think about it but (laughs) for whatever reason probably because we know that's where the main fight happened and maybe just wasn't sure that they would go back to that again, but yeah, doing it on Vader's castle would take it to a whole nother level as far as <sighs> that would thematically be being good, but at the same time, in a, from a visual standpoint, too, making it different than the fight we saw in Revenge of the Sith. Well, obviously, it'll be different anyway because it's Vader in his suit, um, but Vader's castle just had add a whole nother new element to it that would just be mind-boggling amazing. I I also have to say. Um, one thing that I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to in this show, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself or like make too many bold predictions or anything, but I mean, we all know the lengths that Hewan, uh, Hewan, Hayden and Ewan went to in the prequel trilogy with just their training for the lightsaber fights and, uh, you know, how good they got at that kind of stuff. And, um, just you know, and even in this behind the scenes thing, like we see you and practicing with the lightsaber again and just thinking that we're going to see Obi-Wan squaring off with Inquisitors, but then also the idea of, again, potentially seeing Obi-Wan and Vader fighting in Vader's castle with the 
the just level of swordsmanship and athleticism that Hayden and Ewan are going to bring to it with Deborah Chow directing. And we saw how great she was with directing Star Wars action scenes with the, the, the Mandalorian. Um, I'm going to go on the record right now and predict this is going to be the greatest lightsaber fight of the Disney era. Um, really, I guess you could just say, uh, you know, better than any of the ones in the sequel trilogy because we haven't, you know, there's no lightsaber duels in Solo or Rogue One or anything like that. Um, but for all the people that, you know, complained about the the lightsaber duels in the sequel trilogy and wanted them to be faster and more intense for for lack of a better term like they were in the prequels and look i like the the lightsaber duels in the sequel trilogy i'm not one of those people that's a big critic of them but i do love the prequel stuff as well um and i think um i don't know i i like look everything in the mandalorian and and that whole universe just seems to be like kind of a good blend of those two um and obviously the original trilogy stuff as well but like Man, just seeing these guys still sort of in their prime. Like, in fact, one thing I'm looking forward to from this is this is almost going to be, this is almost a chance for like a redo, right? Like, because originally Obi-Wan and Vader in A New Hope, like that's the first lightsaber fight that was ever put to film. And like lightsaber duels have just, like every lightsaber duel after that pretty much got progressively better in terms of the the visual effects and the choreography and just the the speed and the intensity and whatever. Um, to the point where now, like if George made the prequels first and then made a movie where Obi-Wan and Vader reunited after all this time and had one more, you know, epic duel that was basically defeated, deciding the fate of Luke Skywalker and, you know, this, this next generation and everything... I think the fight would have been a lot more intense than what we got in A New Hope. And so this is almost kind of a chance to do that and see, um, I, again, I wouldn't really say Obi-Wan in his prime because he's, you know, in hiding in the, you know, on Tatooine and everything. And this is past, you know, the fall of the Jedi Order, but still to, to see Obi-Wan and Vader go at it when they're, um, you know, a bit more young and agile, I guess you could say. Um, and again, just knowing what, what the director is going to bring to it, what those actors are going to bring to it. I think this is going to be a showdown for the ages, um, aside from just the, the character drama that, you know, we're, we're already invested in, but I think we're in for one heck of a showdown with those guys and who knows how many other epic lightsaber fights with inquisitors and what else we might see. But, um, yeah, um, I think this is going to be something really freaking cool. Man, imagine if we got a trailer today. <laughs> we were just talking about how awesome well, the concept art is. And I don't think we would have probably shown any of that, but... Yeah, we wouldn't have like, seen a lightsaber duel. Now, I will say when we get a trailer closer to when the show releases, we might see that only because everybody knows it's already going to happen. Like yeah. We've seen it in the concept art. They've talked about not only uh, Hayden coming back as Vader, but you know it was already confirmed that like Obi-Wan and Vader were going to face off again. I think Ewan had already said something in an interview where maybe... At the Investor Day last year, uh, you know, he, just like he says in this video, it's something about taking another swing at each other or something like that. So um, just because we already know that's going to happen and that seems to kind of be the big selling point of this series, I wonder if we may get a quick shot of that whenever we get like the full length official Obi-Wan Kenobi series trailer. But yeah, if we had gotten some footage today, we absolutely would not have seen that, but I would have been okay with that. That I can wait on. It'll probably be something where it's like we see both of them ignite their lightsabers about to begin the fight and then title screen. <laughs> That's where the trailer's going to end on. Just enough to get you super excited but not revealing anything else from the fight. Because I kind of yeah. hope that's how it goes down because 
I would want to save the whole fight for the show. Just tease a little bit of them, like Night of the Lightsabers, and then save the rest of what that fight's going to be for the actual episode in the series. Yeah, man, I can't wait. And, I mean, again, that's all we've got to go on for now. Um, You know, it's a shame that all we got was something that, you know, was a year old. But still, I mean, like I said, I think my biggest takeaway from this was just all the concept art and the fact that just between the, the sort of the scope of the environments and just the different looking planets that it looks like we're going to see. I think the scope of this show is like, I said, way bigger than I ever imagined for an Obi-Wan miniseries set in between episodes two and three. Um, but I do like the idea. And, and I think I kind of get the sense that this is where they're going with it, that it's him, you know, on Tatooine protecting Luke and that maybe with the Inquisitors, like maybe they either come, I, I would assume they come looking for him and, and not for Luke because nobody knows that Vader has a son. But like something happens where the maybe the Empire almost accidentally discovers Luke or even discovers him in hiding. And he thinks that like, you know, if they find him hiding out there and they come after him, that they might accidentally discover Luke. And so in order to protect Luke's identity, he has to leave and go after who whoever's chasing him and, you know, stop mm. Vader and the Inquisitors from, from coming after him again. Um, and then go back to Tatooine and, you know, continue watching over Luke. So what, like when you were saying, I think you were the one, Paul, earlier saying that, you know, they could maybe do a season two that like it's going to be hard to top another fight with Vader. And obviously you wouldn't keep doing that multiple times, but you know, that there could still be more stories to tell with Obi-Wan. But I do think like he's in a phase of his life where he's not going to be going on a whole lot of exciting adventures or anything like that. And I think, you know, there has to be a pretty strong motivation for him to even leave Tatooine and and go off on this journey in the first place. And so I would, I'm totally okay with this being a one-off thing. Um, and I know this is supposed to be a mini series of like what four to six episodes or something like that. But um, I mean, as long as this delivers and it's, you know, really just delivers on the goods and everything that we're hoping to see, I'm totally fine with it. And if, if it ends with him going back to Tatooine and maybe the final episode is the only time we hear him communing with Yoda and Qui-Gon and he's just going to stay on Tatooine and meditate and, you know, learn all this stuff about the the Jedi living on after death and the cosmic force and all that kind of stuff. And then the next time we see him pop up is in twin sons. I would totally be okay with that. Um, but you know, having this one wrinkle in the story, this one time that Obi-Wan had to leave Tatooine to fight the empire, to keep them from coming after him and finding Luke, I think could be the potential for a, a really cool story and a really cool, you know, new chapter in this character that we all love. Yeah. I mean, that's always been my biggest hesitation or concern about doing an Obi-Wan story set in this time period is him leaving Tatooine because I've always firmly felt that he has to stay on there no matter what to always keep an eye out on Luke. But at the same time, I have full confidence in the creative team that's making the series to make whatever the reason he has to leave make sense and work. But I do really think it's going to be and what will ultimately make it work is that it all has to revolve around Luke. Like he's going to protect Luke, but he has to, in this instance, protect him without being on Tatooine and leaving to stop whatever threat is um, potentially there for him while on Tatooine. And so um, if that is the case, I'd be totally okay with that. I just want it to be focused on the protection of Luke. And uh, the fact that, like you said too, at the end, maybe comes to a point where 
Um, well, it kind of contradicts what I was just saying, but let's just say he has to leave Tatooine for another reason other than protecting Luke, but then realizes that was a mistake. And then as you were kind of talking about Kyle, maybe the series ends with him returning to Tatooine and then communing with Qui-Gon, Yoda, and just realizing like this is the moment where now he has to stay here permanently without either, without question to always be here for Luke. Um, so there's, I think, a few different angles that can go with to make it work. But I'm kind of hoping that it does go the way where he leaves Tatooine um, for a reason to protect Luke um, for a threat that's not just there yet. But he has to make sure that it doesn't come to Tatooine to discover Luke. So um, that would work for me. And one other quick thing, um, another concept art that jumped out to me that I was as I was looking through him again, is that I'm wondering if the Rebel Alliance is going to play a bigger factor or any factor than I was expecting. Because there is that one shot where you see um, some of the snow speeders. Um, out in the hangar. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of made me curious because I wasn't thinking the Rebel Alliance to really play any factor in this story. But I think it just goes to show that um, this series is going to be a lot bigger in scope than maybe we're expecting with just Obi-Wan being on Tatooine for the course of this series. It looks like we're going to be planet hopping a little bit or just seeing a variety of different locations and environments than just on Tatooine. Uh, So, yeah, the even though this was a short sizzle reel, it kind of revealed more than uh, I was expecting as far as where we might see the different locations in this series. Because like we said, um, definitely was just only expecting it to be one simple location. And we even talked about how it's such a, might be a simple series to film. They can finish it pretty quickly. But um, again, with the volume two, they could still <laughs> go anywhere they want without literally leaving the uh, the set or the filming location. So it makes it easier to still go to all these different locations and not really have it be something where it's, it's going to like make the show a bigger budget or whatever, or have to go to a different location as the Mandalorian show. You can easily go to a bunch of locations and do a series in a quick turnaround time. So it looks like that's going to be the case with Obi-Wan too. But just from the story standpoint, again, we're just always expecting this to be on Tatooine. But the fact that it looks like it's not just makes it, that much more exciting to see what else we're going to see in the series that uh, we previously weren't expecting because this concept art definitely shows that. And we got to kind of got to remember too, it is just concept art. Things can change. So maybe we won't see all of the stuff in the actual series, but at the same time, I kind of have a hard time believing that this would be the stuff that they decide to show us in the scissor reel right. and then not have it actually be in the show. Maybe one or two here and there, but um, right now, I'm kind of <laughs> anticipating most of the stuff we're seeing here to be in the series one way or another when it's all said and done. Yeah, I would. I, I think that's a pretty good way to look at it. Um, and it's interesting. I, I had kind of forgotten about that shot with the snow speeders that you mentioned. And I don't think we're going to see the Rebel Alliance in here because especially with the timeline of Rebels, like we know that the the you know what we know as the yeah. rebel alliance uh, as a big That's unified true. force has not come together yet but it could I be said a rebel cell maybe <laughs> well right it, it could be a rebel cell which i think would be interesting to see i mean who knows maybe we'll see saw Gerrera in live action again because he seems to pop up everywhere and know everybody um although that would actually be really cool because he met obi-wan during the clone wars and so to mm-hmm. see the two of them reunite that could be an interesting story but also because we know that the rebels kind of have to cobble together, you know, scraps and and ships and, you know, whatever they can get from anywhere. Um, Like we see that a lot in Rebels where, you know, they're taking these old decommissioned Y-Wing bombers or, you know, 
prototype ships or stealing stuff from the empire, whatever they can get. And so, and also yeah, I, we call them snow speeders, but technically they're, you know, T-47 air speeders. Um, so I think a, it would be cool to maybe see these in use on a planet that's not snowy. Now from the environment, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to tell, but like the hangar where they're at, it does look like it could still be in some sort of ice cave, but it could be some other kind of environment as well. It could just be a cave that looks kind of white. Um, but it would be kind of cool to see them in, in different terrain than we're used to and not just mm. in the snow. Um, but also it would be cool if maybe this is just some sort of local militia or it's a, I don't know, a group of raiders or some group that's completely disconnected from the rebel alliance that just happens to have a group of these ships. And then later down the line, you know, the rebels are like, Hey, these things are useful. And, you know, I don't know if they buy them from these guys or they just coincidentally happen to have the same type of ships or whatever. Um, I think that would be a lot more interesting than just being like, oh, it's Obi-Wan and Vader and Empire and Stormtroopers. And so we have to have something else in here that, you know, that ties into the formation of the Rebellion. Because we've seen so much of that. And obviously yeah. we're going to see more of that in the Andor series as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it would be cool if, you know, some planet just has like a, like I said, a, a local military or police force or a band of raiders or something that just has a, a squadron of T-47 airspeeders and we get to see them used in a way yeah, we haven't I, seen before. I think that'd be yeah, pretty cool. I, I always looked at like yeah, those speeders like were not exclusively on snow because that line of Empire Strikes Back when he says, you know, we're having trouble adapting into this to, in the cold. So, yeah. So I, I feel like those were always just oh, yeah, true. very like simple speed, you know, like war speeders, you know, like Luke's speeder, but made for, you know, basically war, you know. So um, that's what I always looked at it. But at the same time, when I was a kid, I always thought that the rebels made them because they were for the snow. That's again, I always knew that. But as I watched Empire more and more, I understood it more. I went, oh, wait, those I think those are speeders are just in general, but we never see him outside of it. So it'd be really cool to see him outside of it for the first time. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, obviously, lots to look forward to, the, to in this show. And like I said, maybe lots more than a lot of us would have envisioned from, uh, you know, just the basic premise that we knew about the show coming into it. Um now, again, you know, we haven't seen any footage yet. We don't have a release date yet. And it's funny because a lot of people are saying, oh, they're probably saving stuff for celebration next year, which is Memorial Day weekend. But I would bet you money that this show is going to premiere on May 4th next year. So, like, it'll already be yeah, I'm feeling that close, too. <laughs> to, close to done, if not completely done, uh, by the time celebration comes around. Although they could maybe have a screening of the finale at celebration and, you know, get to be in a room with thousands of other star Wars fans, all watching that showdown with Obi-Wan and Vader again, that would be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to come out on May 4th, especially because it, this is another little bit of news that we'll talk about and kind of throw in here while we're on the subject of upcoming star Wars shows. Obviously we didn't get any new info or anything from uh, the Andor series, but just a few days before this, there was like a Disney, uh, you know, investor call or investor meeting or something. And apparently the uh, the Disney CFO confirmed that Andor will be releasing in quarter four of next year. Now again, that's their like fiscal quarter, which I don't know how that all works, but apparently that's uh, sometime between like late summer, early fall, um, sometime between like July and September in that range. So it seems like we probably will be getting, you know, so, so that definitely leaves room for, um, for Obi-Wan to air earlier in the year. And then we'll probably get Cassian 
pretty soon after that. Um, so yeah, I would say the schedule now. Well, and then of course there's Bad Batch season two, and I don't know when that's going to come out. But I would assume, I mean, if I had to guess, and if nothing is overlapping, I would say the schedule is probably going to be, you know, Book of Boba is obviously going to go into like February probably. Um, and then we might just have a break and not have any other, you know, new Star Wars stuff until May, which is when I'm betting that Kenobi's going to air. And then maybe we'll get Cassian in, you know, July, August, whenever that is. And we know that that one's going to be longer. That's like 12 episodes. And so that's about three months right there. So like if that starts in July, that could take us till, you know, September, October. Um, and then see, and then that makes me wonder, you know, when is Bad Batch season two going to come out? Um, that could be after that. That could just be like, you know, later in the fall. Um, or they could have that sometime earlier in the year and maybe just overlap with some stuff. I would be really surprised if, if Bad Batch season two comes in between Book of Boba and Obi-Wan. Um, I don't think it'll be that early, yeah, but we could also great. get, we could get Obi, we could get Bad Batch in the summer after Obi-Wan and then get Cassian later in the fall. That could also be a possibility. Um, but that depends on how many episodes uh, Bad Batch goes, because that was, you know, first season was 16. So that's going to take up about four months right there. Um, so, yeah, who knows? I mean, may, we could be getting one of those shows later into the fall, because then, of course, there's also Mandalorian season three, which the fact that they're filming that right now, like, I'm hopeful that, that you know, we're going to get that in like around November, December timeframe next year. But I also don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we might not get that till like early 2023. Um, and I'm kind of just preparing myself for that. Like, I know that's going to be the next thing up and we're all talking about, you know, being excited for that at the end of, of 2022, but especially with, you know, some of the delays that they still have, they're still dealing with, with COVID and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's maybe like January 2023 and that could maybe leave more room at the end of the year for like Bad Batch or something like that. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, and obviously, um, hopefully shouldn't be too long before we start getting, I don't know, some more info about at least when we can expect to get stuff next year. Um, and I'm sure by celebration next year, you know, we'll, we'll know dates for what's coming towards the end. But I would um, hope so by then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm talking for, you know, for like at Celebration, that might be when it's announced when Mandalorian season three is airing or something like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see where this all shakes out, because obviously we've got a lot of stuff coming next year, lots to be excited about. And uh, I don't know exactly what order it's all going to come or when we're going to get yeah, it all, but I can't wait to watch all this stuff. Yeah, just the potential of getting new Star Wars content every week for most of the year. I mean, I mean come on. <laughs> they have a lot to juggle with. I mean, yeah, on top seriously. of Star Wars and Marvel, all the other things you want to do. It's just really crazy. That's why it really baffles me. They're, they're really sold on this whole Wednesday idea. You know, it's like, it's if they're going to do the Wednesday idea and you're not going to save Fridays or for any kind of releases or whatever, it does seem like how, like it's going to be a pretty jam-packed, uh, you know, year of stuff so it's like how are you going to balance all that you know so i feel like there's going to be i feel they're going to have to conform a little bit to wednesdays and fridays but i guess we'll see right 
I think they will eventually. Like, I I think it'll eventually get to that yeah. point. Maybe not anytime soon, but like, because they they'll do Star Wars and Marvel on the same day. Because they didn't they do that where um, like I think the end of Bad Batch and the beginning of What If overlapped a little bit, didn't they? Or maybe it was bad. Maybe it was Bad Batch and Loki. I yeah, I thought yeah, I thought well, there was there was some there was some show where there was there was a Star Wars. There was a Star Wars and a Marvel going on at the same time. Um, but I, I could definitely see at some point. Well, my, my point is, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe mm-hmm. release Star Wars and Marvel stuff on the same day. But if it gets to a point where Star Wars series are overlapping with each other, I would think that maybe they will eventually move, you know, move some of them back to Fridays. Um and eventually kind of stagger some of that stuff. And they could do that with, with Marvel as well. I mean, man, if you think about it, like it does kind of seem like next year, you know, if, if they do spread out and stagger all those release schedules, we pretty much are going to be getting either Star Wars or Marvel content almost every week next year. Pretty close. Um, which is going to be just crazy. But yeah, especially with, yeah, yeah. It, but especially with the Star Wars stuff, I mean, you, you got 12 That's weeks crazy. of Cassian. Um We'll guess and say, you know, six weeks of Kenobi. Uh, we'll say seven weeks of Book of Boba Fett after the first one premieres this year. Um, and then, you know, if if we get 16 episodes of uh, Bad Batch on top of that, I wasn't adding all that up as I said all those numbers, yeah. but that sounds like at least half the year right there. So, well... Well, think about it this way. I mean, look at Marvel. I mean, they had WandaVision, then Falcon, then Loki, then What If, and they've staggered it where What If only ended, what, like three, four weeks ago, and we're going to get Hawkeye here in, a, in, what, two weeks? So, I mean, like, it's, it's, and that's just Marvel, and like, and that's a very, very much an early stages thing. Whereas if you look at now, both Star Wars and Marvel have like astronomical amount of projects in, in play it's it, you're definitely looking at half the year um at least and, and you gotta remember too they're not gonna just want to like just do one after another they're gonna want, they might have breaks here and there so you're thinking about you know a week or two between projects is gonna be nothing for us it's gonna be perfect we'll be like all right where's the next one right so i mean so you put like marvel and star wars back to back or whatever it's gonna be like there's gonna be overlap at some point and that's why i'm wondering i'm like hmm I I just I'm curious. I think they're I think they're going to experiment with this a little bit more. I I do I definitely do think there's going to be a Friday Wednesday Wednesday. They're they're def it's it sucks, but I definitely feel like there there's it, Fridays could come back too. We'll see. Yeah, I definitely think there's room for that, um, but we'll see what happens. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I mean that's that's pretty much it as far as the streaming stuff. Um, there is also seeming to be potentially a bit of a shakeup on the movie side of things as well. Oh, I can't wait for this. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, disclaimer here, all this stuff we're about to talk about comes from like either reports in like Hollywood reporter and variety and the trades or rumors from sites like star Wars Newsnet and people like that, that, you know, have their inside sources and whatever. None of this has been officially really or officially confirmed by Lucasfilm. But it sounds like, by all accounts, that uh, the Rogue Squadron movie that was, start- was supposed to come out in 2023 is going to be pushed back. Um, and it sounds like they were maybe having some issues behind the scenes with the production and getting the script right and everything. And then also Patty Jenkins just has a lot on her plate right now with Wonder Woman and some other stuff that she's directing. And so um, 
it sounds like at least as of now, fingers crossed, this movie is still happening and, you know, the people involved are still, you know, very keen on making it and they want to make it work, but it sounds like it's going to need to be pushed back um, to at least 2024, if not further back than that. Um, but the other interesting part of these reports and rumors and stuff is that uh, they're saying that Lucasfilm still wants to release a Star Wars movie in 2023 and that they have some other projects that have kind of been in development for a long time that they maybe haven't necessarily been moving full steam ahead on, but, you know, maybe like ideas or scripts that they've kind of been developing and kind of just keeping on the back burner in case something like this happened that, the, that they could then jump into production on just to kind of have something to put out um, with a couple of those ideas being either a movie set during the old Republic or a movie set during the high Republic. And those are kind of the, the top two things that people are kind of kicking around. I guess first the big, you know, the big rumor was that as soon as rogue squadron got delayed, it was that it was going to be replaced with an old Republic movie. And then some people are saying, Oh, my sources are actually saying it might be a high Republic movie first, but there also might still be an old Republic movie in the works. Um, which makes sense. Cause I think it was back in like 2019, um, you know, before the rise of Skywalker came out that Kathleen Kennedy did that interview where she was talking about how, you know, Oh yeah, we know that the fans love the old Republic stuff and we're working on developing something in that era. And we hadn't heard anything about that since then. So, um, you know, the, the fact that, uh, or just the idea that they actually had been working on something back then. And it was maybe just, again, slowly developing ideas or maybe keeping something on the back burner or just not knowing when they were going to, you know, work it into the schedule and, and all that. Um, I don't know. Obviously you guys know how big of a fan I am of that whole old Republic era. And so, um, I don't know. Like I'm looking forward to rogue squadron. I love the the premise and the energy that Patty Jenkins brings to it. in that video that they released on the investor day last year, where she talked about wanting to create the greatest fighter pilot movie of all time. And if that movie involves X wings, I'm all for it. But also, you know, if this movie has to be pushed back and again, hopefully we still eventually get it. But you know, if, if the replacement that we get is an old Republic movie, I will take that trade in a heartbeat because I, man, just the, the story possibilities that we could see in that era with, you know, just armies of Jedi and Sith and stuff going at it. You know, I, I just love that lore and that history and everything. Um, in that time period. And again, seeing something that's almost more of like a medieval fantasy type of thing, or like, you know, a, a Lord of the Rings type sort of historical fantasy epic with lightsabers and, and force powers and stuff, I think would just be incredible if it's done right. Um, but then, like I said, there's also rumors that it could be a high Republic movie as well. And I think that would also be interesting. Um, and with that, I'd be more interested to see like, is like how closely are they going to try to tie a high Republic movie into the stuff that's going on in the books? Like, would it be something set around the same time period, but its own separate story or would it be, uh, <clears throat> you know, something involving those characters of like Avar Chris and, and Elzar man and all those, you know, Stellan Geos and all those like sort of main high Republic characters from the books. Um, so it would be interesting to see how they would go about approaching that. Um, obviously I, I personally would rather see an old Republic movie mostly just because, you know, not only for, for my love of that, that time period, but also like, they're not really doing a whole lot 
in there right now, aside from, you know, obviously there's the Old Republic, uh, the, the KOTOR remake. Um, and then there's still developing stuff for the Old Republic MMO as well. But also I think that's kind of... That's one of those weird things where like that game came out before the Disney purchase. So it's kind of technically legends, but then also they're still creating new content for it. So it's like, is it canon? Is it not? I don't really know. Um, But the fact that, you know, you have all these, uh, you know, like the old Republic seems to kind of be its own thing. Whereas with the high Republic, where you have all these authors that are working with the Lucasfilm story group on developing kind of this new area of the canon. It seems like if you were going to do a movie in that space, that might kind of like impede on what those writers are doing. And they might want to just, you know, leave them with their own creative freedom to do stuff. Whereas the old Republic, you could just, you could do an adaptation of the games. You could do a new story set in that area. You could kind of do whatever you want. And I would just love to see whatever they come up with for that. But, um, I don't know. What do you guys have a, a preference between the two, and what was kind of your reaction to all these rumors and stuff lying around? Okay, all right. I have to. I have to take this over, Tim. Sorry, I, ha- I have to butt in here. Go for it. Because I, I first of all, I want to say we're going to address the first elephant in the room, which is Patty Jenkins' movie. Um, I, you know, I, I, I loved One Woman, the first one. The second one, I felt got a lot of bad like rap. I mean, it was not nearly as good as his first one. It wasn't as bad as people made it out to be. It's a little bit of a mess, but whatever. Uh, I, 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 I don't think it's. A, I, I, I've only seen it once, you know, to be honest. But I didn't hate it. I felt people were pretty harsh on it. I, I definitely it, messed. It was it's, pretty it, bad. It's a. It, it, yeah, listen, I mean, for it, me, we, probably the most positive one amongst these, amongst us, and these type of movies. For me, not to really like it and not say anything positive. I thought it was it. fine. It, it, again, it wasn't. It wasn't. I don't think it was great. But I don't think it was horrible. But that's just me. My my point is this: I think Patty Jenkins would make a really interesting Star Wars movie. Um, you know, especially considering what you know how they introduced it and what she said and what it explained about it. It seemed very inspired, and I'm like, oh man, it's a really cool idea. And you know, there was it. From what we got from the logo, it looked like they were newer X wings. So like. Where did this take place? Where or when does this take place after the rise of Skywalker? It definitely seemed that way. Um, anyway, I'm not, again, I'm, I'm it's been so long now. Is that what people thought? I forgot if that's what, what you know was what people were thinking. Am I wrong on this? I never, I mean, I think it was always up for questioning when it was going to take place, but I never okay. walked away with like a definitive take as far as. Okay. When I, Wait, I, I thought it was supposed to take place yeah. after Rise of Skywalker, I thought so because too. it, it I mentioned I something that. in like in the official release, it mentioned something about like pushing the story into the next generation. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like so, so I say all that for a reason because I think I wonder a number of things. Um, you know, Patty Jenkins was obviously tapped to do Wonder Woman three again, and. You know, I, and let's be real. She probably has a, you know, a real, um, she feels dedicated and an obligation and I'll probably contract, you know, contractually, uh, but also, um, maybe just, I think from an emotional standpoint, like she feels like she has to finish this out with gal and everything, you know, they've, they've really done a lot, I think for introducing, you know, a, a great, you know, 
representation for women, you know, in, in, in film and blockbuster films and for not just for Wonder Woman, but for, you know, actresses and act you know, directors and things like that, like important stuff. And I feel like there's a sense of obligation to like, you know, we, we've done a lot and there's, this is a big moment for, you know, I think cinema and things like that from a, an, you know, that level. And, and, and I think, again, the first Wonder Woman movie, I think the most part, all of us agree is, is a good movie, um, good popcorn movie. So I think that like, there is a sense of that. I also wonder if it's a little bit, and I don't think it's just that, but I think I wonder if it's some of that, some of the fact that maybe the script wasn't coming together as well as it needed to be. And you got to wonder too, that um, if I also want to think that maybe Lucasfilm is starting to rethink how they just, you know, throw stories post, you know, rise of Skywalker out there. And maybe they want to really address, not address, but, really flesh out and kind of plan what's going to happen afterwards. Cause let's be real. If she's making, if they're, you know, she's not Patty herself isn't writing the movie. She's got writers to write it, but she's come up with a story. And if it takes place with the, with the, with the resistance or the new Republic or whatever the hell it's going to be called, you get what I'm saying is that like Lucasfilm needs to start thinking about their canon and not just like, we'll just see what happens. Like we know what happened last time. And, and, Though I I like a lot of the sequel trilogy, it's a it is still a mess. And whether or not I love some of those movies or dislike some of them, it's a mess. And it was a mistake. I think most people agree now in retrospect it was a mistake to go in the way they did. And I think that I, you got to wonder a little bit too if if things aren't clicking right away, maybe from the story standpoint, and if things aren't coming together, like where they're like, you know what, maybe we need to really think about like what we're gonna pursue these things. Cause you can't, I mean, you can be like comic books to an extent. And I love the rise of Skywalker for that reason. I've said a long, a lot of, a lot of times that I love how it just, it just kind of throws things out there. And like in a comic book series that I love to read, it just kind of throws things back and it's just like, Whoa, 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 it's crazy. But if you're doing a film, you know, saga or a film franchise. I think Marvel is a good indicator of, and not, I don't think it's the only way to do it, but you have to really know where you're going. And the one thing that Kevin Feige has that star Wars doesn't is, and I know people are going to flip out when I say this, but they don't have a, a definitive narrative where to go. They threw that out the window when they did the sequel trilogy and they really don't have much else. They have the Mandalorian fleshing out between their other films there's a lot going on after the rise of Skywalker. And I think that they really got to rethink about if they're going to do films afterwards, they got to kind of have their crap together a little bit before and have an idea of where they want to go. And maybe like not saying they have to have definitive idea, but like have a rough idea of like, this is where like Ray and the Skywalker, you know, or Ray and the Jedi Knights anyway are going to be, because if they make a post uh, rogue squadron movie, yeah, we're going to be excited about X wings, but we're going to be looking for, you know, what about the Jedi? What's Ray doing? What's Finn doing? What's all this? And you know, we've heard rumors about a Finn series. There's a lot of things they need to really, I think, get in line before they make a movie like this. It's post the rise of Skywalker. Like they have to have a definitive, like, you know, not like a Luke Skywalker thing. Like, yeah, Luke's going to, you know, he's going to fill the Jedi order at some point. And then he's going to like, you know, you know what I mean? Like they have to find, they have to find a definitive era or a definitive moment for Ray, I think, and know a little, at least I somewhat, definitive ending or not ending, but like a beginning for her of like where they can hint at where she is. So they don't have to have a million questions about where's right. Where's right. Where's right. Where's Finn. Where's Finn. Where's Poe. Like Poe, you can easily put in that movie and you don't have to worry about it. But with Finn and Ray, it's a little bit different. And there's a lot of questions around them and whether or not like people, you can argue people like him or don't like him. There are characters that people know and, and, and do want to know, like even whether they're indifferent about them, they're going to want to know what happened to him because they've watched and invested three films with it. So I think the Rogue Squadron movie is 
if they're going to put postpone it indefinitely for right now, I've heard different you know iterations of that. You've got to think that like it might be and and it might be a good thing, honestly. I because I I think this movie will still get made. I don't. It's a definitely the elephant. The other, other elephant in the room is like, uh, this is not a good thing for Kathleen Kennedy again. I mean, she, I think I don't think she's like this awful leader like everyone makes her out to be, or the small minority that says you know tries to make a million videos and a living off of bashing Kathleen Kennedy. But you know, the what I'll say this is, you know, she it's been tarnished a little bit, and this doesn't really make her look much better in that light. You know, I mean, there's been a lot of false starts. I'm not saying every producer has doesn't have false starts. But like, you know, Kevin's had a few here or there, but she's had a lot with Star Wars and it is a little bit, I mean, I'm a very much a believer in when there's smoke, there's fire. And I think there might be, I don't know if Kathy has the, again, the, the wherewithal to know where the story canon and where, how to bring that in Star Wars. Like Kevin, again, Kevin Feige might have, you know, the bat, the backbone of the Marvel comic books to go by, but he's smart enough to know what works and what doesn't and what needs to be thrown out, what combine, what that takes talent. And that takes someone who understands the characters and the stories. I, I think Kathleen gets business. I think she gets film. I don't think she gets characters and stories as well. And that's just my opinion. Um, I don't think she's bad. I think her strength is different than Kevin's. And I think her strength is a pure producer filmmaker or a producer um, role. Not that, story idea role I, I just don't think that's her strength and i think that's where we're buried it's bared, it's bared fruit in the whole time she's ran lucasfilm for better or for worse um all that being said going back to nice for old republic or high republic or what the hell is going on i i definitely feel that i i think in my opinion there was like probably a, a put all those things together like you know things weren't clicking they're like what about this what about that we can have a story base we, we have this figured out I wouldn't be shocked if they've been working on Knights of Old Republic movie for a long time and they had something in the bag. They have a story in the bag and they're like, you know what? Let's just, let's just bang out this script. We got, you know, we got some spec script that we like. Let's just, let's just go with it. Let's revise it. And we like this, but you know, we'll just go with it. I, I did, would not surprise me. I think there's too much, there's too much popularity with the Knights of Old Republic and with this whole thing of, is, is it Knights of Old Republic? Is it a High Republic? I think either one, it, it could be, I think flip a coin at this point, it's going to work. I think it's, it's a lock either one. If you look at the um, double D's, the Benioff and Weiss, uh, the Game of Thrones guys, they were going to have some weird, you know, early Jedi film, you know, in the works. So this, there's some kind of early Jedi something happening. I feel like that's already, that, that's already there. And let's be real too. If there's already a script written for this Benioff and Weiss movie, which, we all know that I'm pretty sure pre-production already started for that movie. I want to say um, at least a little bit. I think that it very well could be retooled or remade with a different director with that scripts or that spec script or whatever, because we already have that much work already filled out and just make it into a Knights of Old Republic movie or whatever. I think it's very possible. Then I also don't, wouldn't be surprised if, if they make some kind of fun high Republic movie with Yoda in it. And I think that's the one thing we don't, we're not thinking about with uh, the high Republic is that if you, if you're like me and I've read most of the books, not all of them, but a good chunk of them. And, or if you read a lot of the comics, which I've read a lot of them, not all of them yet, but I've read a, a good chunk of them. Uh, Yoda's not really in a lot of them and he's not really focused in a lot of them. And I think that's by design. I think they're saving Yoda for something. And I, whether it be an animated series or whatever, or a movie, I think that's where we could, uh, they could easily have him in. And we already know, we already know the Acolytes takes place in the, at the end of the high Republic. 
you got to think that Yoda could very much have a film. And I think he would carry his own film with all the CGI he could use. You can make a really fun adventure with him with that. So that I wouldn't rule that out, but I'm, I'm a bet. If I'm a betting man, I would bet a mental old Republic or some kind of old tales of the Jedi movie that maybe Benioff and Weiss had already started on. It was like, like I said, I'm pretty sure they already started pre-production on it and they, they kind of abandoned it kind of last minute, not last minute, but kind of fairly like, early on in pre-production phase. So that means the script's been pretty much like good to go. So if they, the fact that they, they announced that Patty Jenkins film was leaving, but they're going to release a movie anyway, they have a script locked and loaded in pre-production as at least it's far along enough that like they feel confident they can make this movie. I go back to Dune. They're making Dune 2000 uh, in part two in 2023. That's not very far away considering we're at the end of 2021. And the fact that, like, if you look at, no, if you've seen Dune, you know it's a pretty impressive looking movie just on a special effects level. If that's coming out in two years, that movie's been in pre-production already because of, you know, whatever, right? Well, I don't think this is any different. I think they're they're taking already made things and they're going to repurpose it for this next, next film or something like that. So that's where my money's on. I think it's a pre, it's already a movie they've already have locked and loaded. Script's pretty much there maybe a little bit of retooling, get a director that wants to direct something that's not going to be like, I want to be my vision. It's going to be a hired hand like, hey, we want to make, we're looking for a guy to make this movie or a gal or whatever. Do you want, you know, we're hiring you to make this movie. It's already made. Go make it. Like that kind of thing. Not like a, make a movie. You have free, what? you have free reign to do whatever you want. Patty Jenkins, uh, you know, Lord of Miller and uh, Gareth Edwards and, uh, you know, and every other movie that or you know, Colin Trevorrow and, you know, and then they, they all get, you know, abandoned later on. Like, it, it's not like that. I, I think this movie is going to be very much, here's a movie, here's a script. We want you to direct it. Go make this movie. That's where I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I could see that happening too. But I think something like that is definitely down the pipeline because it's, at first off, with the Rogue Squadron getting delayed, it was a bummer, and it just had that feeling of, oh, here we go again, another yeah. problem that arises for a Star Wars movie. And like you said, it's now become the norm rather than <laughs> something that's rare because it's always something. I mean, even though right now Patty Jenkins is still attached to it, and I hope she does stick with it because, like you said, that first teaser video we got for her, just how it was a passion project for her and just how she was really into wanting to tell the story. I hope we do get to see that story she wants to tell. And it's not something that eventually they'll have to get a new director for. So hopefully I'm mean, being delayed. That's all it is. But scheduling conflict, a little script rewrites here and there, then they'll be good to go later down the line. But I do think it is interesting though, that this came after the early, the reports like a day or two after where the rumor, I think it was from star Wars news net that said how, a Knights of the Old Republic movie will be replacing Rogue Squadron in 2023. And then this comes from the Hollywood Reporter as far as the Rogue Squadron getting uh, delayed. And to me, that's to your point, Paul, where there's smoke, there's fire. That's just too much of a coincidence to think that there is not something uh, yeah. to that being truthful. And then, of course, you get the reports about the High Republic, maybe. But for right now, I'm kind of leaning more towards it being Knights of the Old Republic. And part of my reasoning for that is because of the remake of the game coming out in a couple of years. Yeah. And if it does come out maybe in 2023, around when this potential Knights of the Republic movie is going to come out, that could be a really good marketing synergy right there where maybe the game comes out 
introduces a whole new generation to this era of Revan, of Malik, Bastil, all these characters. And maybe they're not going to be the main, like these characters will be in the movie, but the movie takes place around the same time period or not too far after where these characters and the events of Knights of the Old Republic, the original game, gets referenced and have it now be in the main canon with this remake. Um, I think there's a lot of potential there. And for 2023 to maybe be the year of Knights of the Republic <laughs> making its comeback into Star Wars in a big way with the game being remade, hopefully being part of canon, and then with the movie. I just I think it'd be a really great way to get the Knights of the so get some new Knights of the Republic stories and have that series be brought back into the forefront again. As you talked about earlier, Kyle, Kathy Kennedy said that was something that is important to Lucasfilm and realize how much the fans love that era. So I think that would just be a great way to have that happen with the game and the movie in 2023. So, um, yeah, disappointed about Rogue Squadron, but I'm in the same camp with you, Kyle, where if there's going to be a trade-off for Rogue Squadron tonight's of the Republic, I would make that trade as well because <laughs> that's something we've been clamoring for a long time. I know you and me, Kyle, ever since we started this podcast, we've been dreaming about the potential of how cool a Knights of the Old Republic movie could be. So it's mm-hmm. now sooner rather than later. I mean, I'll be all up for that. And hopefully it's just something, because I don't want to be like a full trade where we get Knights of the Old Republic and we don't get that night, the Rogue Squadron movie. Hopefully some that works out where we just got to wait a little bit longer for Rogue Squadron. But in the meantime, we get a Knights of the Old, a Knights of the Old Republic movie, which... Um, should be pretty amazing if done well. So hopefully that's the case. But right now I'm thinking uh, more so Knights of the, of the Old Republic over than High Republic at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. Now, I will say, I mean, on the one hand, this had me super excited. And I even tweeted out something where I was like, man, you know, the KOTOR fans are, you know, just having the time of their lives right now between the remake coming out and then this movie. Um And yeah, like you said, if they both come out in 2023, that's going to be an amazing time for KOTOR fans. But with, you know, then with the rumors coming out where people are like, oh, actually, I'm hearing it might be High Republic first. And then, you know, with the events of today where everybody was like, I have it confirmed from my sources that we're getting a Kenobi trailer. And then, (laughs) you know, we got nothing. I think it's just a good reminder to like temper our expectations. None of this is confirmed um you know definitely where there's smoke there's fire i believe that they're working on this stuff i believe i i mean obviously i think it is pretty much confirmed because it comes from hollywood reporter that the rogue squadron movie is pushed back but as far as what's replacing it don't take anything as an absolute certainty unless it's confirmed by lucasfilm um and if there is going to be a a movie that replaces that in 2023 i think we'll get that announcement very soon because um I mean, heck, they they first announced the Rogue Squadron movie a year ago. Um, and so now for it to be, you know, that was three years before it would have come out. Now it's only two years. And, you know, if that's off the table and we're getting something else instead, I think they'd want to let both fans and, you know, investors know um, within a reasonable amount of time, you know, what we can be expecting. I mean, that's still two years away. But yeah, the, first of all, the movie would be having to go into production like next year. Um, and then also, you know, they, they schedule these things pretty far in advance and, you know, we know what Marvel movies are coming out in like 2023 and stuff. So, uh, or 2023, maybe even into 2024, I don't remember, but, um, yeah, you know, they've, they've got all this stuff well planned out. And so I would think they'll let us know once they've got a concrete plan in place 
and uh you know just let us know what we can be expecting as far as theatrical star wars goes for that year but yeah whatever it is i mean obviously i'm hugely looking forward to just seeing a star wars movie in a theater again i was looking forward to rogue squadron but if it's something set in the high republic and i mean to be honest paul i like your yoda idea like i've never been real keen on the idea of like just doing a Yoda solo movie or, you know, like a, a Yoda spinoff that explains his backstory as young Yoda and everything. I didn't think we needed to see all that. I'd be all for that. <laughs> but if they are well, wanting to go too. flesh out, if they are wanting to go flesh out the High Republic era more and take something where it's kind of already established and it's like Yoda is also around in this time period and he just happens to be a major character in whatever story they're telling, I'd be cool with that. Um so, you know, we'll see if that's maybe where they want to go with it. But also, like, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for KOTOR. I'm hoping that those initial rumors were right and that that's what they stick with. But who knows at this point? Like I said, I'm, I'm well, ch- kind of taking everything with a grain of salt until it's confirmed. But I don't, I'm, I'm I don't, intrigued like, to like, see where they go with it. Like I said, I, I don't... It, I don't think that they do this. It, you know, if, if Hollywood Reporter is reporting that they, they are still putting on a movie... I, I, that just to me only proves that there's, there is a dead set of something and they would not do that if they had something in the bank and. Oh no. Yeah. This. And I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. I think we will get a movie. It's just as far as what that. No, no, no. Be. But that's what I'm saying though. Like think about this, all the things we know that's been, that been circling for a long time. What would they make right now? What could they possibly make another movie of that is not, they haven't announced anything obviously, but what's the closest thing they could make that like would get fans excited to like make them like, you know, for a star Wars film. Like, I mean, that's my point. It had to be, it has to be something with lightsabers and it can't, it's not going to continue episode, you know, especially what a lot of the other options are Disney plus series already. So exactly. And that's my point is like, you really don't have, I mean, you're not gonna do some rando, like, you know, here's a bunch of random people is hanging out. Like, and they're going to, you know, you know what I mean? Like, not like, I don't want to say solo in a bad way. Cause I freaking love solo to death. And, I'm glad we got it. But if you were to do that with an unknown character, that's just a, a, a rando, like a true rando, not like a stupid Ray rando theory, but like a rando, you know, a true rando. That's just out of nowhere about someone. And they just come in a picture and you're reading this, like, you know, it's a fun, like romp in the galaxy. That seems like a real awful risk to put into a theater and make it be worthwhile. That seems like a Disney plus series. Yeah. I, think, I think it's my point is like, there has to be something to this story that makes people like go, Oh, crap we gotta go see that like i keep talking about like you know what's the difference between like films and um i I talked about this earlier with the obi-wan thing i wanted to bring this up is like you know you have to save the theater stuff for real grand epic scale things and even though the disney plus stuff has been great it's still small scale in a lot of ways and even though it's gotten bigger and it's gotten better and it's it's still like they've done a lot with little they have it's still not quite to theater scale yet. And it's going to be a long time before they get really get there. They're close. And that first episode of the Mandalorian, uh, the season two is a great example of it getting pretty close. It's not that it's not super far away, but what happened after that, the scale got a lot smaller throughout the episode. And and like, and again, they didn't say they, I'm not saying the episodes episodes didn't get better, but the type of scale that went down. I mean, even the episode with Luke Skywalker, it's in a hallway basically for most of the episode. It's not like it's an elaborate, super, you know, big thing. It's a pretty small scale room in a, you know, bunch of hallways. Um, again, not, not down. I'm not trying to, you know, diss it, but just reality of it. That first episode, most of special effects money went into that first episode. And, you know, so you got to really, you know, with a CV series, you got to really balance it out. 
And I think with movies in a theater, you got to give it a reason to like go to the movies and you're not going to go see a movie. It's like, a, again, I love solo, but in retrospect, that would have been a phenomenal uh, HBO or HBO, uh, a Disney plus uh, series, right? I think we all agree that like solo would have been a fantastic Disney plus series, and especially if it got a little bit longer. Yeah. yeah. And I, again, I, yeah, I, there's I so many, the, the, you could break that movie up into so many little chunks that kind of just zip from one place to the next that would have been great as their own episodes of a TV show. Yeah, it would have been, and honestly, it would have been a huge success. I think, I think Alden, people would have been way more accepting of Alden as, as Han. And this is from someone who freaking loves Solo. I love Solo. That movie is, I think, is so underrated. It's ridiculous. But I definitely think in retrospect, you know, in hindsight, they would have maybe saved that script, made it, you know, spread it out a little bit, do a little mini five, six episode miniseries, and it would have been a huge hit. So, um, that's just my opinion. So I think that you, right, again, I, I run about a way of saying this has to be a, a movie with pizzazz. It has to have a real grand scale. And the only way I think you do that is either with spaceships or lightsabers and big battles. And I think that that's what you need in this next movie. This next movie needs to have epic, epic scale. And I think, again, again, help me if I'm wrong on this. I'm pretty sure the Benioff and wife stuff was really far not far along but it was pretty like that was supposed to be the next movie after rise of skywalker yeah so like oh, and it yeah, was like true yeah and it was supposed to go into production in august and i think they started and then they bowed out like pretty quick and so it was i'm pretty sure i think they were in pre-production on it yeah i mean who knows how far they actually got it's not like they but were still, about, it's not like they were about to start shooting but yeah they probably no, did no. have ideas and you know maybe well a script i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure a script or a pretty good like a pretty good idea of a script was written. So I feel that like all those things are already in place. They just were like waiting to do it because they thought, Oh, Patty had a great idea. And then one thing led to another. And I think it's a, a perfect storm led to her having to bow out. And they said, you know what? We got a script. All they need to do is find a writer that's or an art or a director that's hungry and wants to prove themselves. And honestly, I do think that's the, that's the future of star Wars. I, unless you have someone who really has a true vision, like a, again, a Dave Filoni or a John Favreau who are proven filmmakers and know what they're doing. And even JJ Abrams, again, I think JJ went out and made a, a movie and knew what he was doing and made a, a good movie in the force awakens, but it was wrong for him to like say, here's, here's what I want to do. See you later. And then like, you know, not leave it up from, you know, no direction. I think you have to have direction, obviously. And I think that's the thing. Finding either a writer who knows what they're doing, lets them do it and they can do it, or hiring, finding someone to hire them and, and make their movie that they already have their script written for. They have, you know, they already have ideas. So I, I do think, I think I'm, my money's on Nitro Republic or, or either that or the Benioff and Weiss, you know, early Jedi film. It just seems like it, it's a no brainer at this point. And I feel that you're going to make a lot of people happy and we want to see lightsabers again. We, mm-hmm. we all love lightsabers. I, that, that to me is what star Wars is spaceships and lightsabers that if it, the very essentials of like, you know, take away the characters visually or at, at this point, it's Mandalorians, uh, lightsabers and spaceships, but that's basically what you think <laughs> of the visual cues of star Wars. Honestly, like that's what you think. So, I think that's what you need to do in this next film. You can have you can have fun stories with with smugglers and bounty hunters and things like that, but in the end, you need to keep it to like the roots of like what makes Star Wars like visually interesting. Again, not keeping away from the story base, but like just visually interesting to keep I think a general audience interested and like engaged because that's what will keep us engaged and have those interesting things on screen is lightsabers 
Mandalorians and spaceships. So that's just, you know, and not all those things combined, but at least one of the three has to be in there. Yeah. And I think beyond just Mandalorians, it's like characters in cool armor and yes, yes, you know, yes. whether that be Vader, you know, any kind of troopers, Captain you know, Phasma, troopers. Tim, there you go. Don't, don't forget that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I will say I'm maybe slightly worried about, you know, like if they are going to do Knights of the Old Republic, I don't want it to just be this back burner, like last minute replacement kind of thing. But if it is something that they've been developing for a long time and just kind of waiting for the right moment to pull the trigger on it, but like maybe they already have a script or they already have concept art or, you know, they already have their idea and it's like, okay, now we just need to hire a director and, and get the ball rolling. Um, then, you know, hopefully it'll, it'll turn out great. And, you know, I trust that they've kind of laid the groundwork to be able to do what they need to do. Um, cause if you, you know, if you bring somebody in and try to start it from scratch and it's like, Oh shoot, we're not doing rogue squadron anymore. Let's, you know, start you know start writing and start kicking around ideas for a knights of the old republic movie that's going to be releasing in two years then i'm going to be real worried that that movie's not going to live up to our expectations but if they've already you know laid that foundation and like i said they've already got a script or they've done some pre-production work on it or whatever and they just need to get a director and a cast and actually you know just green light the production and and go ahead and make this thing that they've already kind of laid out then hopefully it'll turn out great um, you know, that's my main thing. I would rather have no Star Wars movie in 2023 than have a crappy old Republic movie in 2023. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll trust them until they, uh, you know, prove me otherwise. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing whatever they come up with. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how long it is before we get any kind of official confirmation on this. Um, but, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Like I said, I would imagine it would be sometime either, I don't know if we'll get anything by the end of next end of this year or maybe early next year um, as far as, you know, what that movie's going to be, who's directing it, when they're going into production. You know, I would imagine that stuff will start coming along pretty quickly. So looking forward to getting that info, uh, you know, when it comes, uh, comes along. So, um, but I think... With that, um, we got a couple other rumors and things that we might just save for another episode, but I think, you know, we've kind of hit on all the big stuff for now. Um, but, uh, yeah, before we wrap up, um, Tim, I don't think, did you put out a, a poll or anything or any social media stuff for this episode? Unfortunately, I did not. I didn't get a chance to today. And one good thing about, I guess, not getting any of the big announcements for <laughs> the Disney Plus day, I guess, was... I was kind of waiting on that, but nothing eventually happened. I never got a chance to put it up. So yeah. my apologies there, but feel free to see. Oh, continue. that's all good. Yeah, here's here's the listener poll. How On a scale of 1 to 10, how disappointed were you with Disney Plus morning? I have um, a feeling it'd probably be more on the higher end, closer to 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and look, it wasn't terrible. It was just, you know, it was all this hype. And again, the, there were so many like ads and stuff where, where they were like, new announcements, new reveals, new sneak peeks, new looks, new this, new that. And, you know, they just made it sound like it was going to be this big deal. And then it really wasn't. I mean, it was fine, but it just wasn't a ton of new stuff. So um, I don't know. Hopefully we'll get more next year. And like I said, it, at the very least, even though we didn't get a lot of looks at all this stuff, we know that there's still a ton of Star Wars stuff to be excited about for next year. So um 
it was fun to, you know, at least be able to talk about all this stuff, get excited for Obi-Wan, get to finally talk about the Book of Boba trailer. Um, and I'm sure, you know, we'll, we'll probably come back and record another uh, couple episodes in the next, you know, couple months before Book of Boba actually comes out. Um, just, you know, I'm sure we probably will get another trailer at some point or, you know, at least start seeing more footage from it and stuff. And, you know, we'll see what other news drops between now and then. Um but yeah, I think uh, until then, that's going to do it for us. Um, as always, you can follow us online on Twitter at Star Wars TSC, at Facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Um, you can check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com and send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com and let us know what you think of the show. Uh, send us any comments, questions about all this awesome new Star Wars stuff that we're going to have to talk about coming up. So. Um, looking forward to you know continuing to talk about all this stuff with you guys as we're getting all this awesome stuff but uh, thanks for listening that's going to do it for now we will see you guys next time and may the force be with you see you next time everybody godspeed rebels